tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today on this rather damp uh, Tuesday morning indeed. And uh, wherever you are this morning, hopefully we find you very well indeed. 1800-938-007, that's our free phone number. It won't cost you to make a call. Emma is looking after the programme. Coming up on the show this morning, the National Ploughing Championships uh, kick off. We'll be going directly there in just a little while. Russell Brand continues to proclaim his innocence as more women come forward with allegations. Our own Ali is out and about for us in Cashel today with uh, Tidy Towns. We'll investigate the changing face of addiction. Our GP, Dr Pat Harold, will talk to us about sepsis and psychotherapist uh, Susan O'Donoghue will be with us live in studio as well. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tip today at uh, tipfm.com. Let's have a look at uh, what's making headlines in your newspapers today. The Irish Daily Mail, their um, headline reads, of Radcar's blame game, and the Taoiseach has criticised several key aspects of his own government's response to the COVID pandemic, including lockdowns, mask wearing, and the closure of schools and construction sites. And uh, the Fianna Gael leader also said the decision to reopen the country for the meaningful Christmas of 2020, which was followed by 1,500 COVID-related deaths in January, was the wrong call. The Irish Times and their lead story is remarkable as well. The consultant uh, whose work at uh, Tempestry Children's Hospital is to be externally reviewed, continued uh, to carry out uh, operations uh, seemingly for months after concerns about their work first emerged. And uh, the health service executive has uh, commissioned a UK expert to review surgeries carried out by the consultants after an internal review identified serious spinal surgical incidents in the service, it said yesterday. And one child died following multiple procedures and others uh, suffered serious uh, post-operative complications as well. That's uh, rather remarkable, isn't it? Also on the Times today, we're reading that the government's planned budgetary package risks uh, keeping inflation higher for longer, the Central Bank of Ireland has warned, becoming the latest institution to sound the alarm on state spending plans. The Irish Indo, and uh, they're telling us that the government... Uh, spending will fuel price hikes with inflation set to slow but keep growing until 2025. And again, this is from the central bank, as you can imagine. They go on to say that inflation could speed up if energy prices, government supports or wages pick up at the risks of which are growing. And the Irish Examiner, again, that story about those spinal operations on children uh, featuring there. Also on the Examiner today, a grieving husband whose terminally ill wife travelled to Belgium for an assisted dying procedure says he will do whatever it takes to ensure the right to die 
choice is made available in Ireland. So that's just a taste of what's making headlines on the newspapers today. Again, if you want to make con- um, if you want to make a comment on any of that, we'd love to hear from you. 083 Now, anyone going to the Ploughing Championships today or over the next few days is being advised to bring their wellies and raincoat after heavy downpours at the weekend and with showers forecast for today. The three-day event, which takes place in Rathaniska in County Leash, kicks off, as I say, today. And our own Jim Finn from Tip FM's Ag Report is there. Farris, good morning to you, Jim. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well, and Jim, but more importantly, how are you? What are conditions like there at the moment? Uh, they're not good. Uh, there is light, light rain, maybe heavy mist, uh, you know, Crowds are well down at the moment. Normally speaking, when I'd be talking to you from uh, wherever the plowing is, there would be a, a, a big crowd in, but there's not. There's plenty of room on all the walkways at the moment. Uh, I would imagine they're having trouble probably getting cars to go into car parks. Wow. So that's that's already there are issues there, Jim. I would imagine so, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Okay, I didn't have any issues. I'm here since half past seven, so... Uh, you don't get an issue with that early in the morning, but uh, I would imagine that there's a, a, a tailback. Now, I don't know, but I'm, I'm quite sure there, there is, yeah. Yeah, and what about making your way then from the car parks to the campus itself, Jim? I mean, was that was that heavy going? Well, I was talking, no, uh, not from where I am, uh, fortunately, but I was talking to uh, a couple of our press colleagues in the press uh, area uh, a few minutes ago, and they, uh, one of them now he's older than I am, so and the distance will know what age I am. Uh, he felt it difficult to get from uh, the press car park, which is the exhibitor's car park as well. And uh, you know, there was a, an awful lot of cars in that when I pulled into it at uh, seven thirty. Yeah. There's been much discussion, Jim, about the uh, pre-purchasing of tickets uh, online over the last while. A lot of people are very unhappy about that. And we heard from Anne-Marie McHugh on the yeah. news there where she yeah. was saying that, you know, well, you're taking a chance if you don't buy your tickets online. What What is the general feeling about that there, Jim? Uh, well, I don't know what here uh, anybody that's here is in and probably very happy and most of them probably bought online. Uh, but uh, I suppose outside and any place I went to when I've been around the county for the past three weeks, uh, every, everybody was talking about uh, it isn't a terrible, you know, because if you get a day like today and you know tomorrow's going to be fine, uh, you're not going to come today and you are going to come tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, you know, nobody wants to be here uh, uh, in, in, in muck, but I guarantee you now you won't see anybody in anything else but well easier. Yeah, yeah, but uh, am I am I being cynical about it, Jim? When I think that I mean, maybe that's what the um, the association was trying to combat in some way. That if you bought your tickets ahead of time, well, you had them, whatever the weather was going to be. That uh, is correct, and you only had them for that one day. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, you know, and that restricted you uh, very much that you had to come uh, on today, and it's raining. Uh, now, likely, I'm not saying that it's pouring down. Uh, you know, and I think at the moment there's not too many, there's one or two people with an umbrella, but there's not that many. So, uh, you know, yeah. uh, but that's what they were trying to, they were trying to avoid uh, the situation where, uh, that, where, where they're trying to avoid the situation where 
uh, everybody and anybody uh, would, uh, uh, you know, there's a, an event going on outside here. There's you know, this virtual reality with the headphones. Oh, yes. Yeah. on you. And uh, I'm, I'm outside uh, a, a place there. And even though it's raining, there's people lying on big balloons with the headsets on them. Well, <laughs> really, it's a photo call. <laughs> and yeah. by the way, it's it's a wonderful idea. Uh, you're a mouse. Uh, that, that's what you see. You are a mouse. You are a you're, mouse. You're Steve, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the mouse is the mouse. You see the mouse running through the grass, <laughs> and how small you are, and how small that mouse is. It's all got to do with biodiversity. Did we ever yeah. think the yeah. ploughing championships would get to this? Is the minister there already? Is Minister McConnell there no, already? No, no, no minister, no minister yet. No, okay. Yet. But don't worry, he'll he'll come in, and of course the president will be here to yes. officially open at twelve o'clock. And uh, yeah, there's there's a good few ministers here today. Yeah, uh, politics will be a shadow over it, I guess, today as well as the uh, weather, because uh, some very mm-hmm. unhappy farmers, particularly about the nitrates directive and the mm-hmm. the derogations, Jim. I mean, that's fair to say, isn't it? Ah, uh, that's fair to say, and and uh, I, that message uh, you meet it the whole way as you come yeah. in. Uh, the IFA have things up all over the place. Uh, so it it is great, uh, you know. That that's definitely good. And then farming politics is going to come into it. Yes. You yeah. know, we have uh, elections coming up now for the new president of the IFA. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so there's electioneering going on there, and the uh, ICMSA are going to have a new man in as well. So um, it's an interesting time. And just an interesting time for some people to be coming in. Yeah. Isn't it indeed? And of course, we'll be losing two Tipperary men from both those organisations, Jim. You will, of course. Yeah. yeah. The two Tip men will be gone. And uh, that's that, that one will be uh, very sorry that they're gone. Uh, they have done well, particularly, yeah. uh, you know, in difficult times. Uh, you can't but say that, but they've done well. Yeah. Yeah, um, where the ploughing itself, many of us have gone to the ploughing championships and uh, haven't gone near the the ploughing. How how important is the ploughing aspect of it this year, Jim? Because I know we were involved with the World Ploughing Championships last year. How important yeah. is it this year? Well, it's it's important because uh, we will be looking for our overall champions, uh, and we'll be sending uh, two teams out to uh, the World Championships. Yeah. qualify for the World Championships. The winners last year now were at the World Championships this year, but the winners here uh, this year will be at the World uh, Championships uh, next year. Yeah. Very good indeed. Uh, I, I think traditionally, Jim, the Wednesday is the biggest day, is it? Correct, correct, yeah. Yeah. By a mile. Right. By a mile, the biggest the, bi- the biggest day. Uh, not necessarily for politicians, because the doll is back, as you probably know. Uh, so uh, they need to be uh, ministers. They need to be back uh, in, in in Dublin. So, uh, that, but that way, yeah. But oh. yeah, all right. Big, very, big very yeah. good. Indeed. But it's my sixteenth. It's my sixteenth ploughing now. Is it, Jim? Wow. Yeah, I missed two because of COVID, and I missed one because I was in hospital. So. Right. Very good. So there you are. Yeah, and a lot of changes in those 16 uh, oh, championships, oh, oh, Jim. Oh, 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 unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, the amount of it has grown as a, an event uh, is staggering. Yeah. Staggering, you know. The, the only problem uh, I, I might see in that, Jim, is that is it moving further and further away from the core, which is the ploughing championships, you know? Of, of course. Yeah. It has moved away. The, look at 
there'll only be uh, um, people like myself, uh, you know, that like ploughing and will go out to the ploughing where the ploughing is actually happening Mm. over the the next three days uh, and hopefully get an opportunity to talk to a ploughman out there. Mightn't be the easiest in the rain, but uh, yeah. But I've gone out to see the ploughing every year. Uh, You know, it's a fascinating uh, skill Mm. to be able to plough the way these guys plough. Yeah, yeah. And uh, most people uh, listening to me would know that I sat up on an awesome <laughs> a tractor and power, but I wouldn't. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't be any good here. That's <laughs> well, well, we'd like we'd like to see a video of it all the same, Jim. Well, you, uh, I, you I, I, I know you would. You, you, you look after yourself, Jim, and uh, take it I easy. I will, and just just tell the listeners again. Uh, you know, uh, drive safely, be careful, follow the signs. There is no problem. It's well signposted. So you shouldn't have any pro- uh, no any problem. You might have a little way to get in, but it's going to be all worth it in the end. All right, good. Because Mark, the plowing isn't, plowing isn't the plowing without muck. <laughs> That's for sure. Look after yourself, Jim, and thanks very much indeed. That's our own Jim Finn there from Agriport, live from Rathaniska for the Ploughing Championships uh, today. All right, let's go to a great friend of the show, to, to Liam. Liam, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And good to talk to you, Liam. Um, I was chatting to Jim there, well, about several different things, but we touched on the notion of, of tickets. Will you tell me your experience about tickets for the ploughing, Liam? Uh, I bought tickets for the ploughing for Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. I bought them two weeks ago online. I, I, I didn't actually physically, because I'm not computer literate, but my son did for me. And uh, it, it came back, you have a code, you put it on your phone and you have a printout and you basically go to the ploughing, you sidestep the lads for what used to be cash and you put this on the, and then you go. The unfortunate thing about it is I was selecting a few sheep for the mark for, for, for Monday on Saturday and I felt a bit not well for the want of a better word. Yeah. And uh, I just thought maybe it's just the hassle of the pulling the sheep and dragging and tagging them. And you know the usual with sheep, you know, they're not that... A cooperative animal, anyway. So, uh, I just I said, do a, a COVID test. I said, you must be joking. Get a COVID test, friend, and it was positive. Oh Lord! Right, right. And I got, I've got all the vaccines. I, I got so many vaccines. Every one that came, I jumped at and straight away. And I couldn't understand it because I, I've heard rumours. You know, here and there, I was at a funeral Sunday week there of a brother-in-law, and I, I heard little stories. Oh, such and such a one, you know, of COVID. I goes, no way. And here I am now, a week later, and uh, I have the bloody thing. Now, uh, it's more in my throat, if you know what I mean, the, the, the effects mm, uh, yeah. of it. But unfortunately, I can't go to the ploughing. And uh, so I contacted NPA on Saturday by phone, and a lovely lady at the other end in uh, Kildare said to me, Godlene, you have to go online. Mm. And she gave me the, the, the thing. So I went online and I explained it, and I said I've been going to the ploughing since 1976, and I love it and enjoy it. It's the only few days I take off, blah, blah. Uh, I can't go. I've COVID. So I bought my tickets and gave the, the number and the code and the whole lot. Heard nothing back from So for the ordinary person, like, going at 25 euros ahead a day, that's 50 quid. Uh, week. Yeah, yeah. And as Jim rightly said, and Jim hit the nail on the head, normally I always pay cash. Well, obviously, because I can't do it online. Mm. And every year I pay cash. And what decides, I like to take the three days off because the only holidays I take in the year. Uh, uh, and I enjoy it. 
But this year, with commitments and everything like that, I could only do two days anyway. Mm. I have a, a, a serious appointment on Thursday, so I couldn't go Thursday anyway. And book to two days. Now, friend, there's dozens, if not hundreds of farmers decide on the day, on the morning, whether they're going or not going to go. And Jim reflected on that to the ploughing. Because the pressures on farming, it could be a cow in trouble, it could course, be yeah. animals after the there's endless things. It's not just the rain, because farmers are well used to the rain. The rain's not necessarily the answer. But different uh, commitments to farming, and, and they could say, oh, well, I can't go Tuesday, I'll go Wednesday and Thursday, and I'll give my 25 euros. Now, that's a strange one again, because you had this on about two weeks ago, and if you go on the site of NPA, it was 25 euros online, it was uh, 25 euros cash, and there'll be six. I think Anna Marie came on and said, oh, yeah, we'll have six gates, and they'll have mm. cash. Mm. And and on their website, it said 25 euros. After Matty McGrath came on, <laughs> fair Mr. Matty, and stored a little bit of, uh, I can't say that word, it's different, yes. made a bit of heat about the whole thing, uh, it suddenly went to 30 euros cash. You know, and the whole excuse was health and safety, health and safety, and it wasn't health and safety. Uh, Will you just explain that to me again now, Liam? If you buy online, it's €25, euro, but you're telling me it's €30 euro if you manage to pay cash on the gate. Is that it? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, oh I didn't no, realise that, uh, uh, Liam. Oh, yeah. absolutely. But, but, but when Mashi was on with yeah. you, yeah. and if, if you go straight into the NPA uh, site, it actually gives the details and it actually says you must buy your tickets a minimum of a week before the event. Mm-hmm. Now, when when Anna Marie was on with you, she, she gave the notion that, oh, you could buy him on your way, which was, was ridiculous. In, in the car think. park, in fact, she Absolutely mentioned that well you could said. buy them in the well car said. park if you wanted online. That's yeah. right, well said. Yeah. But, but, but no, on the website it says you have to buy him a minimum in advance. Yes. And this brought concern to me, and I voiced this before, there's something wrong here, you know. I, yeah. I reckon that the times was a money record. But in my own situation, I've actually proved it. I can't go. I, I, I had a look at that wording, though, uh, Liam, and yeah. what it said, yeah, a week in advance to be certain of your ticket. So it left oh, some absolutely. ambiguity there that, you know, obviously you could buy your ticket yeah, right yeah, up yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I, I appreciate that. But yeah. the one thing you can't do if you buy a fortnight in advance online is you can't be refunded the money. Yes. Yeah. Now, I tried to contact them on the basis that what's the option? Do I get refunded my money for the two days or can I throw it off till next year? The NPA never responded. They never never came back good, better and different. And my email was polite. And, oh, yeah, yeah. polite. I mean, I, I love the, the ploughing. I mean, so does so many thousands of farmers. But no, sadly, there's no response whatsoever. So there's dozens of farmers out there today that can't go for some reason or other. And have paid their 25 euros in advance for one or two days. Now, there's some farmers, and they do go to three days, because that's their break, and they chat to people, and they look at a few machines, and then the next day they go up and look at the ploughing, like myself. Mm. Mm. But that's wasted. Friend, there's no there's no getting back your money if you can't genuinely go. And, now, and of course, from, thing, from the point of view of the ploughing championships, I mean, it's it's very right. clever, Liam, when you think about it, because it takes the uncertainty out of it because you have to buy your tickets ahead of time. So you can't change your mind. Uh, now, it's different with you with COVID, but I mean, on, mm. on the morning, you can't say, oh, I don't know, it's a bit too wet, I'll leave it till tomorrow. You have to absolutely, go to honour your tickets, yeah. You have to go, absolutely. Yeah. You even lose it in. Yeah. So if you buy the three days and you can't go the first day, oh, fair enough, okay, you can go the, the second and third day, but you've lost your 25 euros or whatever it is on the on the day you can't go. 
But no, I, 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 I'm upset on the basis that I think it was handled wrong. I yeah. think, number one, Matthew McGrath was hitting the nail in the head. I don't know if Matthew's going to be there because I won't be there. He said he, was, he wouldn't go in protest, he said to me, yeah. There you go. Mm. There you go. Well, I, I'm, I'm a person that would love to go but can't mm. go. Obviously, I mean, I, I can't, you know. You, I, I'm going around the house here at the moment and I have to be two and a half metres away from ourselves and the young lad, he's worse, he's making us wear a mask. He was out in South Korea there for a couple of years, yes. and they wear masks supposed to be sneezed. Yeah, but the yeah. fella here, oh my God, Fran, he's, he's very strict on you, Liam, is he? <laughs> oh, unreal. But Fran, can I can yeah. I diverse for a few seconds on a few Liam, little yeah. things? And and I won't, I won't, promise I won't keep it. No problem. You had a, a man on there last week, Martin's his name. We don't disrespect the Martin. He brought up the thing about uh, Roundup and things like that, mm. and blaming farmers and farmers. Farmers are only putting on their animals and their crops what they're told by the advisory service, which once again I am knocking chagas. Mm. Mm. Uh, and and that's we either told by chagas or we're told by vets. We're not educated enough to know that Roundup is should go on or another one should go on. And he's right to be concerned. But there's so there's so many other things that Martin doesn't know about. Like take for example, we have by law to dip the sheep for scab. It was compulsory. You had to send in the certificate up to 1995. Yeah. But now the department actually got one only yesterday from the Department of Agriculture. Don't forget to dip your sheep, the scab in the area, blah, blah, blah. We do it anyway. We do it as part of management. And, and what's wrong with that, Liam? Because you're dipping them with, with, with a chemical called organophosphorus. And if you remember, organophosphorus was used by the Germans in World War Two. It was wow. a chemical warfare. And organophosphorus is in the dip, and it's the only one... It's part. It's part of the the diazone family of chemicals, and they're very dangerous. Oh my God! But what people don't know in relation to okay, me poor farmer, that's with three zeros, me poor farmer, uh, we have to use it. We don't have a, an, an option. But what the people don't know is every apple and peach and and pear that comes into this country, even the popcorn and the apple juice, it is all. Contains are contaminated with organophosphorus. We use it as, as as a pesticide, but they use it as an insecticide. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to bring it to the country from wherever it's coming from, or otherwise, you wouldn't stay fresh as it is. All uh, vegetables and all uh, fruits are treated with organophosphorus. Martin didn't know that. Jeannie Mac, I didn't know that, Liam. I didn't know. What a lot of people, what a lot, an awful lot of people don't know is that organic. As vegetables come into this country, say, for example, lettuce or, or, uh, or cabbage, it has to be treated with radiation so that we don't bring in disease. A lot of people don't know that, friend. So, okay, I'm going to go all organic, or I'm going to go, what's the one where you don't eat meat? Uh, Ve- vegan. 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 Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to go that way. So all the animals now are going to be slaughtered because they're no good to us. Uh, you know, organic fossils we're putting on them here and all this. Now we move to all vegetables. Vegetables are, are contaminated more with organophosphorus. And Martin did say, or the lady did say that was on that morning, uh, the farmers are spraying this roundup on the crops and then we're eating it. Or they're spraying such things on animals mm. and then we're eating the animals. All things of concern. All th- now, definitely are of concern. But where the options are, I don't know. If we go organic or if we go vegan, and vegan is a dangerous one, because at the moment I'm suffering from is the COVID-23. Uh, Mr. Minister Harris mm. was suffering from, mm. I think, uh, COVID-17. And the rest of the world was 19. I'm on 23 at the moment. Uh, and and I'm, I'm joking, of course. Mm. Um, what happens if we have COVID something of the plant world? 
Fran, we're wiped out. We're wiped out. If we all go vegan, we're wiped out. Plus the fact we'll be naked. Because the most dangerous thing to the environment is the synthetic clothes that are produced. In fact, the fashion world is doing more damage than all the farmers in the world. The fashion world. You do more damage to the environment. And Liam, I mean, you're blowing me away with some of this stuff here. Why aren't we having bigger conversations around this, Liam? Because governments are saying no, no to everything because they want to move on. You take, for example, if I asked you in electricity, which is the best electricity, you would potentially say to me wind or solar. Isn't Mm. that true? Well, it's actually not. It's actually the cheapest, but it's not the best. The best is is that nuclear. Yes, yeah. and at the moment, and at the moment, they're building one close to that. And if I if I said that to the wider audience and to your to your listeners, and, mm. and apologise if I have said it, but if I said that to your listeners, they'd say, "No, no, we don't want nuclear." Listen, lads, there's a nuclear plant being built at the moment in Hickley Point, and it's only 250 kilometres uh, from here, which yeah. is the same distance from the M50 to Connell at the moment. If that plant was to burst like they did back years ago in Russia, we'd be wiped out anyway. And and, and the one in Sellafield, that's only 180 kilometres from us. And, I, you know, I am frightened of nuclear. And, and what, wake up the real. what do you think that we need to get real about all of this, Liam, is it? I, I tell you the God and truth, and nobody will listen to me, including Sinn Féin. Nobody will listen to me. The way to go is not to reduce the cow herd. I mean it, Fran. I mean it so much so. Yeah. It's not to reduce the power. It's to embrace the farmer and build anaerobic digesters. Yes. That's the secret. We can produce our own electricity and our own gas. We don't need the Russians. And and, and Martin that, that contacted you last week, and he was right to contact you. The, the wheat that's coming in from Russia is not alone treated with organophosphorus and, and Roundup. It's treated with seven different other chemicals that nobody knows about. And then we buy it. It's made bread and we eat the bread. So Martin, the listener, and I sympathise with him fully, and I don't mean disrespect the man, we have to wake up to what we're actually eating. We're, contact- we're potentially eating poisons every day that we don't know about. So is this why we're sick, Liam? Uh, you know, oh, absolutely. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, uh, we talk, he, he was talking, that man was talking about, about um, Roundup. Well, the buried the brother-in-law there, well, he went to, to, to the, the fire team, whatever you call it, uh, cremate there, Monday week, and uh, he, he, he was a man that loved nature and he had bees. So there's definitely no Roundup in his diet whatsoever or no Roundup near him, uh, I should say. He never used it. He couldn't because it would kill all the bees. Mm. And he was passionate about that. He died of cancer. My sister never drank her smoke 12 months ago, God rest her. She never drank or smoked in her life, not even a glass of wine. She died of cancer. So it is our food. I guarantee you, without a shadow of a doubt. And and as a farmer, you you have no doubt about that, Liam. None whatsoever. My fear is, what's our options? I yes. I would love to go organic, and I mean that. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I yeah. she picked out last last for last Monday. I couldn't go because I had the COVID. I she picked out for last Monday. I tell you the God and truth, friend. I would lose money on the bunch of sheep going into the market. I would lose now, and that's not sympathetic. I don't mm, need sympathy. Yeah. I'm just giving you a fact. But if I was to go organic, now they are in their own right organic, except for the fact that I have to treat them with organic fossils. I also have to dose them for worms and flu. The, the alternatives are very limited. Like even in the organic world, they have to use certain things. And Liam, if you're if you're dipping the sheep in what you describe mm. as a toxic mm. substance, mm. what effect mm. does that have on the meat, for example? 
it has a it has a uh, it's is it stays in the meat for up to um, twenty four weeks. It protects the sheep for twenty four weeks. Right, but if now, you slaughter the animals, I mean, and we. Well, that's exactly what we are doing because to slaughter the animal, you only have to, to uh, not take the slaughter for a minimum of 12 weeks. But it's still in the meat for 24. It'll protect the sheep for 24 weeks. So, right. so, so I mean, what they're telling us in real... What they're really telling us in, in real world is listen to what we tell you and go by it. That's what's the truth. And I said to you long, long, long time ago, many times ago, my father had an old saying, a good politician will tell you what he wants you to believe, even though he knows his lies. He tells in such a way, not alone do we believe him, but we clap him on the back for it. That's the real truth. What we're being told and what is real, I don't know the real answer. I know I know, organic farming is the way I would love to go, but financially it's not, it's not doable. And how organic can it be if the soil is poisoned, for example. And Absolutely. Well, well, well. to be certified organic, you have to be in the, the course for seven minimum seven years. So that means, like, there's no chemical fertilizer no. or there's no uh, sprays or whatever, you know what I mean? That would be the first step. But, I mean, if you grow cordon, how do you protect the cordon from a fungicide? How do you protect the cordon from uh, insecticide? You know, I mean, in Russia, they spray, they spray organophosphorus for it in, um, what do you call it in bloody, is it locus? Is it I don't know, what's the thing that devastate cordon when they come into the beans? I think it's locusts, but I can't uh, remember. I'm not sure, Liam, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, a flying, they're a flying insect, and they come in and they decimate the cordon overnight. Oh, oh, yes, they are locusts, of course, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, well, Russia spray is, this is, this is, this is a fact now, I, I'm not going to give you false information. They spray the cordon uh, more than once, uh, organophosphorus, to protect it from that, because their biggest... Uh, uh, bread making or, or, or cash cow, whatever you like to call it, is export. And one of them is, is wheat, the world. And we buy that and we buy it cheaply. The Irish farmer can't compete against it. So the grain farmers in this country are gone. They can't compete. Because the, 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 the cordon companies, are not big bank of cordon, co-ops, the buyers of cordon, they will straight away pick up the phone and say, I want X number of tons and it'll come from Russia. So we can't compete. We're a dead loss, but we really need is an education and an acceptance. If Martin and others are prepared to pay for organic meat, that's fair enough. I'm good with that. But meat coming from South America that's po- poisoned with steroids and implants, he's eating that every day and he doesn't know it. He's eating yeah. apples that has poisoned with organic And, and, and Liam, with, with, with this Mercuser deal that will be um, happening where, where Europe is concerned, that more and more of this meat is going to come from South America. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's not about human health, friends. It's about politics and money. And money. That's all it's yeah. about. That's all. It's only about politics and money. Our health is no concern. What's a few people that die of organophosphorus? We did a test for the Department of Agriculture. We were dipping 2,000 sheep at the time. And, and, and my apologies to your listeners. We were asked to give blood samples, swab samples, and urine samples. And the boys agreed to the blood samples and they agreed to the swabs in the mouth with the most certain acceptance working on the piece of the bottle in front of the department of yeah. That was in 1993 for Anaconda Fosters. It then became unrequired by law uh, as it a certificate in 1995 that our gun you didn't have to send it to service but then they sent out a reminder or oh, wear protective clothes there's no such thing in farming god almighty wake up did you ever see a farmer wearing protective clothes i mean hopefully he will 
But if he's going to put on all this, this space gear to dip sheep, he'll, be, he'll die inside himself in the suit. So our gun Foster, he's breathing in every day. But it does, like that's one point. But what about the apple use and what about the pear use? That's actually treated with our gun Foster's anyway. So I sympathise with Martin. But we all need to sit down and have a proper discussion from what we want and what we're getting. What we're getting is poisoned food. What we want is healthy people. It's not going to happen. Liam, I, I, I think I'm thanking you. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies, No, 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 no. But, but I mean, that's the real world. That's I'm, do, real I'm just world. delighted you're talking to us about this. But I mean, there's so many things going on. Uh, out there that we can't explain, like illnesses that we can't mm. explain, you know, mm. the amount of mm. autism that's out there with children oh, and, and ca- cancers that we can't explain in young people and... No, 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 no. Frank, just, just, uh, Fran, just to, just to, uh, I'm stuck in another thing in front of you, sorry about that, Fran. Okay. Just, just to put the, the, the wind on everything, I have two spinal cord stimulators fissures and they were fissures uh, uh, back in 2007. I also take 30 tablets a day for pain. So this COVID thing, it's only restricting my movement. It's not restricting, as in meddling with other people. Mm. It's not restricting me because I have so many painkillers and poisons inside my body. I don't feel pain, which is dangerous because all it's doing course, is putting it's, it's masking the issue, I suppose. Masking, yeah. that's the word. Yeah. And then yeah. you'll do more damage. Then you'll do more damage. The two spinal cord stimulators, I have to lie in the bed for two hours and charge then. I, I, I have a different bed for myself, obviously, because all the wires going across sure, yeah. come out of the bed. And I, I, have, I have two of these guys. So, I mean, I, I know exactly where pain is. But if we're being deliberately put in pain because of our granophosphorus, or as Martin says, because uh, of Roundup, we should look at ourselves and say, what do we want? We want healthy people. That's what we want. But food coming into this country is treated with so many poisons. It's unbelievable. Liam, thank you so much for coming on with us uh, this morning. And most informative, and I'm sure a lot of food, if you'll forgive the pun, for thought out there as well. Thanks, Liam, and my best to you. Thank okay. you. Thank okay, you. Friend, bye bye, 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 bye to you bye. now. Um, yeah. Certainly food for thought, I'm sure you'll agree. 83 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. All right, let's go to a great friend of the show, to, to Liam. Liam, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And good to talk to you, Liam. Um, I was chatting to Jim there, well, about several different things, but we touched on the notion of, of tickets. Will you tell me your experience about tickets for the ploughing, Liam? Uh, I bought tickets for the ploughing for Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. I bought them two weeks ago online. I, I, I didn't actually physically because I'm not computer literate, but my son did for me. And uh, it, it came back, you have a code, you put it on your phone and you have a printout and you basically go to the ploughing, you sidestep the lads for what used to be cash and you put this on the, and then you go. The unfortunate thing about it is I was selecting a few sheets for the mark for, for, for Monday on Saturday and I felt a bit not well for the want of a better word. Yeah. And uh, I just thought maybe it was the hassle of the 
pulling the sheep and dragging and tagging them, and you know the usual with sheep, you know they're not that uh, cooperative animal anyway. So uh, I just I said, do a, a COVID test. I said you must be joking. Get a COVID test, friend, and it was positive. Oh Lord, right, right. And I got I've got all the vaccines. I I got so many vaccines. Every one that came, I jumped at and straight away, and I couldn't understand it because. I've heard rumours, you know, here and there. I was at a funeral Sunday week there with a brother-in-law, and I heard little stories. Oh, such and such one, you know, of COVID. I go, no way. And here I am now, a week later, and uh, I have the bloody thing. Now, uh, it's more in my throat, if you know what I mean, the the, the effects Mm, uh, of it. But unfortunately, I can't go to the blowing. And uh, so I contacted NPA on Saturday by phone, and a lovely lady at the other end in uh, Kildare said to me, Godlene, you have to go online. Mm. And she gave me the, the, the thing. So I went online and I explained it and I said I've been going to the ploughing since 1976 and I love it and enjoy it. It's the only few days I take off, blah, blah. Uh, I can't go. I've COVID. So I bought my tickets and gave the, the number and the code and the whole lot. Heard nothing back from So for the ordinary person like going at 25 euros a head a day, that's 50 quid. Uh, week. Yeah, yeah. And as Jim rightly said, and Jim hit the nail on the head, normally I always pay cash. Well, obviously, because I can't do it online. Mm. And every year I pay cash. And what decides, I like to take the three days off because the only holidays I take in the year. Uh, and I enjoy it. But this year, with commitments and everything like that, I could only do two days anyway. Mm. I have a, a, a series of appointments on Thursday, so I couldn't go Thursday anyway. And book to two days. Now, friend, there's dozens, if not hundreds of farmers decide on the day, on the morning, whether they're going or not going to go. And Jim reflected on that to the ploughing. Because the pressures on farming, it could be a cow in trouble, it could course, be yeah. animals at the rain. There's endless things. It's not just the rain, because farmers are well used to the rain. The rain's not necessarily the answer. But different uh, commitments to farming. And, and they could say, oh, I can't go Tuesday, i go Wednesday and Thursday, and I'll give my 25 euros. Now, that's the strange one again, because you had this on about two weeks ago, and if you go on the site of NPA, it was 25 euros online, it was uh, 25 euros cash, and there'll be six. I think Anna-Marie came on and said, oh, yeah, we'll have six gates and they'll have mm. cash. Mm. And and on their website, it said 25 euros. After Matty McGrath came on, <laughs> fair Mr. Matty, and stirred a little bit of, uh, I can't say that word, it's different. Yes. made a bit of heat about the whole thing, uh, it suddenly went to 30 euros cash. You know, and the whole excuse was health and safety, health and safety, and it wasn't health and safety. Uh, there's hundreds of people Will you just like explain that to me again now, Liam? If you buy online, it's 25 euro, but you're telling me it's 30 euro if you manage to pay cash on the gate. Is that it? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, oh I didn't no, realise that, uh, Liam. Oh, yeah. absolutely. But... but, but when Mashi was on with yeah, you, yeah, and if if you go straight into the NPA uh, site, it actually gives the details and it actually says you must buy your tickets a minimum of week before the event. Mm-hmm. Now, when when Anna Marie was on with you, she she gave the notion that oh, you could buy him on your way, which was, was ridiculous. In, in the car been, park, in fact, she mentioned that well you could buy them in the car park if you wanted online. That's right, well said. Yeah, but 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 no, on the website it says you have to buy him a minimum in advance. Yes. And this brought concern to me, and I voiced this before, there's something wrong here. You know, I, yeah. I reckon that the Times was a money record. But in my own situation, I've actually proved it. I can't go. 
I had a look at that wording though, uh, Liam, and mm. what it said, yeah, a week in advance to be certain of your ticket. So it left oh, some absolutely. ambiguity there that, you know, obviously you could buy your ticket yeah, right yeah, up yeah, to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I, I appreciate that, but yeah. the one thing you can't do if you buy a fortnight in advance online is you can't be refunded the money. Yes, yeah. Now, I tried to contact them on the basis that What's the option? Do I get refunded my money for the two days or can I throw it off till next year? The NPA never responded. They never never came back good, better and different. And my email was polite. And oh, yeah, yeah. polite. I mean, I, I love the, the ploughing. I mean, so does so many thousands of farmers. But no, sadly, there's no response whatsoever. So there's dozens of farmers out there today that can't go for some reason or other and have paid their 25 euros in advance for one or two days. Now, there's some farmers, and they do go to three days, because that's their break, and they chat to people, and they look at a few machines, and then the next day they go up and look at the ploughing, like myself. Mm. Mm. But that's wasted. Friend, there's no there's no getting back your money if you can't genuinely go. And, so, and of course, from, think, from the point of view of the ploughing championships, I mean, it's, it's very yeah. clever, Liam, when you think about it, because it takes the uncertainty out of it because you have to buy your tickets ahead of time. So you can't change your mind. Uh, now, it's different with you with COVID, but I mean, on, mm. on the morning, you can't say, oh, I don't know, it's a bit too wet, I'll leave it till tomorrow. You have to absolutely, go to honour your ticket, yeah. You have to go, absolutely. Yeah. Are, are you, you even lose it then. Yeah. If you buy the three days and you can't go the first day, oh, fair enough, okay, you can go the, the second and third day, but you've lost your 25 euros or whatever it is on the, on the day you can't go. But no, I, I, I'm upset on the basis that I think it was handled wrong. I yeah. think, number one, Matthew McGrath was hitting the nail in the head. I don't know if Matthew's going to be there because I won't be there. He said he was. He wouldn't go in protest, he said to me, yeah. There you go. Mm. There you go. Well, I, I'm, I'm a person that would love to go but mm. can't go. Obviously, I mean, I, I can't, you know. You, uh, I, I'm going around the house here at the moment and I have to be two and a half metres away from ourselves and the young lad, he's worse, he's making us wear masks. He, he was out in South Korea there for a couple of years yes. and they wear masks supposed to be sneezed. Yeah, but the yeah. fella here, oh my God, fan. He's, he's very strict on you, guy. Liam, is he? Oh, unreal. <laughs> but fan, can I, can yeah. I divert, divert for a few seconds? Of course seconds you can, a few Liam, little yeah. things, and, and I won't, I won't, promise I won't keep it. No problem. You Liam. had a, a man on there last week, Martin's his name, we don't just strike the Martin. He brought up the thing about uh, Roundup and things like that mm. and, and blaming farmers and farmers. Farmers are only putting on their animals and their crops what they're told by the advisory servers, which once again I am knocking Chagas. Mm. Mm. Uh, and, and that's we either told by Chagas or we're told by vets. We're not educated enough to know that Roundup is, should go on or another one should go on. And he's right to be concerned. But there's so, there's so many other things that Martin doesn't know about. Like, take for example, we have by law to dip the sheep for scabs. It, it was compulsory you had to send in the certificate up to 1995. Hmm. But now the department, actually I got one only yesterday from the Department of Agriculture, don't forget to dip your sheep, the scab in the air, blah, blah. We do it anyway. We do it as part of management. And, and what's wrong with that, Liam? Because you're dipping them with, with, with a chemical called organophosphorus. And if you remember, organophosphorus was used by the Germans in World War Two. It was wow. a chemical warfare. And organophosphorus is in the dip, and it's the only one... It's part. It's part of the the diazone family of chemicals, and they're very dangerous. Oh my God! But what people don't know in relation to okay, me poor farmer, that's with three zeros, me poor farmer, uh, we have to use it. We don't have a, an, an option. 
But what the people don't know is every apple and peach and, and pear that comes into this country, even the popcorn and the apple juice, it is all contained or contaminated with organophosphorus. We use it as, as, as a pesticide, but they use it as an insecticide. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to bring it to the country from wherever it's coming from, or otherwise you wouldn't stay fresh as it is. All uh, vegetables and all uh, fruits are treated with organophosphorus. Martin didn't know that. Jeannie Mac, I didn't know that, Liam. I didn't know and what that. A lot of people, what a lot, an awful lot of people don't know is that organic uh, vegetables come into this country, say, for example, lettuce or, or, uh, or cabbage, it has to be treated with radiation so that we don't bring in disease. A lot of people don't know that, friend. So, okay, I'm going to go organic, or I'm going to go, what's the one where you don't eat meat? Uh, v- vegan. Uh, vegan. Vegan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to go that way. So all the animals that we're going to be slaughtered, because they're no good for us. Uh, you know, the organic fossils we're putting on them here and all this. Now we moved all vegetables. Vegetables are, are contaminated more with organic fossils. And Martin did say, or the lady did say that was on that morning, uh, the farmers are spraying this roundup on the crops and then we're eating it. Or they're spraying such things on animals mm. and then we're eating animals. All things of concern. All things, now, definitely are of concern. But where the options are, I don't know. If we go organic or if we go vegan, and vegan is a dangerous one, because at the moment I'm suffering from is it COVID-23. Uh, Mr. Minister Harris mm. was suffering from, mm. I think, uh, COVID-17. And the rest of the world was 19. I'm on 23 at the moment. Uh, and and I'm, I'm joking, of course. Mm. Um, what happens if we have COVID something of the plant world? Fran, we're wiped out. We're wiped out. If we all go vegan, we're wiped out. Plus the fact we'll be naked. Because the most dangerous thing to the environment is the synthetic uh, clothes that are produced. In fact, the fashion world is doing more damage than all the farmers in the world. The fashion world is doing more damage to the environment. And Liam, I mean, you're you're blowing me away with some of this stuff here. Why aren't we having bigger conversations around this, Liam? Because governments are saying no, no to everything because they want to move on. You take, for example, if I asked you in electricity, which is the best electricity, you would potentially say to me wind or solar. Isn't mm. that true? Well, it's actually not. It's actually the cheapest, but it's not the best. The best is, is that nuclear. Yes. Yeah. And at the moment, and at the moment, they're building one close to that. And if I if I said that to the wider audience and to your to your listeners, mm. and I apologise if I have said it, but if I said that to your listeners, they say no, no, we don't want nuclear. Isn't that there's a nuclear plant being built at the moment in Hickley Point? And it's only 250 kilometres uh, from here, which is the same distance from the uh, M50 to Clonmel at the moment. If that plant was to burst, like it did back years ago in Russia, we'd be wiped out anyway. And and, and the one in Sellafield, that's only 180 kilometres from us. And, uh, you know, I am frightened of nuclear. And, and what, wake up the real. what are you saying that we need to get real about all of this, Liam, is it? I, I tell you the God of truth, and nobody will listen to me, including Sinn Féin. Nobody will listen to me. The way to go is not to reduce the cow herd. I mean it, Fran. I mean it so much so. Yeah. It's not to reduce mm-hmm. the cow herd. It's to embrace the farmer and build anaerobic digesters. Yes. That's the secret. We can produce our own electricity and our own gas. We don't need the Russians. And and, and Martin that, that contacted you last week, and he was right to contact you. The, the wheat that's coming in from Russia is not alone treated with organophosphorus and, and Roundup. It's treated with seven different other chemicals that nobody knows about. And then we buy it, it's made bread, and we eat the bread. So Martin, the listener, 
and I sympathise with him fully, and I don't mean disrespect the man, we have to wake up to what we're actually eating. We're, contact- we're potentially eating poisons every day that we don't know about. So is this why we're sick, Liam? Uh, you know, oh, absolutely. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, uh, we talk, he, he was talking, that man was talking about, about um, Boundup. Well, I buried the brother-in-law there. Well, he went to, to, to the, the fire team, whatever you call it, Kumais, uh, there Monday week. And uh, he, he, he was a man that loved nature. And he had bees. So there's definitely no roundup in his diet whatsoever, or no roundup near him, I should say. He never used it, he couldn't, because it would kill all the bees. Mm. And he was passionate about that. He died of cancer. My sister never drank her smoke 12 months ago, God rest her. She never drank her smoke in her life, not even a glass of wine. She died of cancer. So it is our food. I guarantee you, without a shadow of a doubt. And and as a farmer, you you have no doubt about that, Liam. None whatsoever. My fear is, what's our options? I yes. I would love to go organic, and I mean that. Yeah, I know. I, know I, I, I she yeah. picked out last last for last Monday. I couldn't go because I had the COVID. I she picked out for last Monday. I take the God and truth, friend. I would lose money on the bunch of sheep going into the market. I would lose now, and that's not sympathetic. I don't mm. need sympathy. Yeah. I'm just giving you facts. But if I was to go organic, now they are in their own right organic, except for the fact that I have to treat them with organic fossils. I also have to dose them for worms and flu. The, the alternatives are very limited. Like even in the organic world, they have to use certain things. And Liam, if you're if you're dipping the sheep in what you describe mm. as a toxic mm. substance, mm. what effect does mm. that have on the meat, for example? It has a. It has a. Uh, it's, it's, it stays in the meat for up to um, uh, 24 weeks. It protects the sheep for 24 weeks. Right, but if now, you slaughter the animals, I mean, and we... Uh, well, that's exactly what we are doing, because to slaughter the animal, you only have to, to uh, not take the slaughter for a minimum of, of 12 weeks. But it's still in the meat for 24. It'll protect the sheep for 24 weeks. So, right. so, so I mean, what they're telling us in real... What they're really telling us in, in real world is, listen to what we tell you and go by it. That's what's the truth. And I said to you long, long, long time ago, many times ago, my father had an old saying, a good politician will tell you what he wants you to believe, even though he knows his lies. We tell it in such a way, not alone do we believe him, but we clap him on the back for it. That's the real truth. What we're being told and what is real, I don't know the real answer. I know, I know. Organic farming is the way I would love to go, but financially, it's not. It's not doable. And how organic can it be if the soil is poisoned, for example? And Absolutely. Well, well, well. To be certified organic, you have to be in the, the course for seven minimum of seven years. So that means like there's no chemical fertilizers no. or there's no uh, sprays or whatever. You know what I mean? That would be the first step. But, I mean, if you grow cordon, how do you protect the cordon from a fungicide? How do you protect the cordon from uh, insecticide? You know, I mean, in Russia, they spray, they spray organophosphorus for them, um, what do you call them bloody, is it locus? Is it locus? I don't know. What's the thing that devastates cordon when they come into the bean? I think it's locus. I can't remember. I'm not sure, Liam, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're a flying, they're a flying insect, and they come in and they decimate the cordon overnight. Oh, oh yes, they are locusts, of course. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, well, Russia spray is this is this is this is a fact now. I'm not going to give you false information. They spray the cordon uh, more than once, uh, organophosphorus, to protect it from that, because their biggest uh, uh, bread making or, or, or cash cow, whatever you like to call it, is export, and one of them is, is wheat to the world, and we buy that and we buy it cheaply. 
The Irish farmer can't compete against it. So the grain farmers in this country are gone. They can't compete. Because the, 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 the cordon companies, well, not big the cordon, the co-ops, the buyers of cordon, they will straight away pick up the phone and say, I want X number of tons and it'll come from Russia. So we can't compete. We're a dead loss. What we really need is an education and an acceptance. If Martin and others are prepared to pay for organic meat, that's fair enough. I'm good with that. But meat coming from South America that's poisoned with steroids and implants, he's eating that every day and he doesn't know it. He's eating apples that has poison without antifoxin. And 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 Liam, with with this Mercuser deal that will be... um, happening where, where Europe is concerned, that more and more of this meat is going to come from South America. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's not about human health, friends. It's about politics and money. And money. That's all it's yeah. about. That's all. It's only about politics and money. Our health is no concern. What's a few people that die of organophosphorus? We did a test for the Department of Agriculture. We were dipping 2,000 sheep at the time. And, and, and my apologies to your listeners. We were asked to give blood samples, swab samples, and urine samples. And the boys agreed to the blood samples and they agreed to the swabs in the mouth with the most certain except in working on the piece of the bottle in front of the department of officials. Yeah. That was in 1993 for Anagon the It then became unrequired by law uh, as it a certificate in 1995 that Anagon you didn't have to send it to the certificate, but then they sent you a reminder or oh, wear protective clothes. There's no such thing in family. God almighty, wake up. Did you ever see a farmer wearing protective clothes? I mean, hopefully he will. But he's not going to put on all this, this space gear to dip sheep. He'll be he'll die you inside himself in the suit. So our gunner fosters, he's breeding in every day. But it like that's one point. But what about the apple you eat? And what about the pear you eat? That's actually treated with our fosters anyway. So I sympathize with Martin. But we all need to sit down and have a proper discussion from what we want and what we're getting. What we're getting is poisoned food. What we want is healthy people. It's not going to happen. Liam, I I, I think I'm thanking you. (laughs) (laughs) My apologies. No, 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 no. But But I mean, real words. I'm I'm just delighted you're talking to us about this. But I mean, there's so many things going on. Uh, out there that we can't explain, like illnesses that we can't mm. explain. You know, mm. the amount of mm. autism that's out there with children oh, and, and ca- cancers that we can't explain in young people. And no, 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 no. Frank, just, just, our friend, just to, just, just, I'm still thinking another thing in front of me. Sorry about that, friend. Okay. Just, just to put the, the, the wind on everything, I have two spinal cord stimulators fishes, and they were fishes uh, back in 2007. I also take 30 tablets a day for pain. So this COVID thing, it's only restricting my movement. It's not restricting, as in meddling with other people. Mm. It's not restricting me because I have so many painkillers and poison inside my body. I don't feel pain, which is dangerous because all it's doing is is, is masking the issue, I suppose. That's the word. And then you'll do more damage. Then you'll do more damage. The two spinal cord stimulators, I have to lie in the bed for two hours and charge them. I, I, I have a different bed from myself, obviously, because all the wires going across come onto the bed. And I, I, have, I have two of these guys. So, I mean, I, I know exactly where pain is. But if we're being deliberately put in pain because of organophosphorus, or as Martin says, because uh, of Roundup, we should look at ourselves and say, what do we want? We want healthy people. 
That's what we want. But food coming into this country is treated with so many poisons. It's unbelievable. Liam, thank you so much for coming on with us uh, this morning. And most informative, and I'm sure a lot of food, if you'll forgive the pun, for thought out there as well. Thanks, Liam, and my best to you. Thank okay. you. Thank okay, you. Bye bye. Bye bye to you I, now. Um, yeah. Certainly food for thought, I'm sure you'll agree. 083 311 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Russell Brand is facing accusations of rape, sexual assaults and emotional abuse over a seven-year period. The actor and comedian is also said to have behaved inappropriately at work during the height of his fame, including by undressing, making sexual remarks and acting aggressively. Brand denies the allegations uh, revealed in a joint investigation by the Sunday Times, the Times and uh, Channel 4's dispatches and says his relationships have always been consensual. Some have been vocal in their defence of uh, Russell Brand, uh, saying that he's been targeted because of his outspoken views on governments. Uh, Mary joins me now. Mary, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. I'm sitting here kind of wondering what, if anything, I can eat today. (laughs) (laughs) After listening to Liam, it was certainly very informative, Mary, and very worrying, wasn't it? No, because I'll tell you something. I'm I'm one of these people that is totally convinced whatever you're going to die from, Fran, the minute you're born, that's it. Right. There's a date on your forehead. Exactly, and I don't think anything you do will make any difference, we'll, we'll good, bad or indifferent. So what, that's my outlook on it. <laughs> what about Russell Brand? I have a feeling you'd never liked him in the first place, did you, Mary? Nope, never. And I I could never put my finger on what it was. He was just, oh, I don't know, he's just um, slimy, mm, mm. for want of a better word, as we would have said long ago. Um, some of the allegations I find incredible. I mean, I saw on the news, I think, yesterday evening, um, a 16-year-old girl at the time yes. okay, mm-hmm. was supposedly picked up in a BBC chauffeur-driven car from school. Mm. Where were her parents? Yeah. I know that makes it sound very simplistic, but surely to God, if you have a 16-year-old you know how she's getting home from school. And if you don't, you should. This is just one aspect of it now. Some of the allegations I don't take seriously. Do you not? But I, yeah. No, I don't. But I do believe, yes, he is a predator. I do believe that. Now, he's written in his own books um, that, you know, he was very, very promiscuous. And he said, uh, during that time, the relations I had were absolutely and always consensual and I was always transparent about them, almost too transparent he says. Does that does that you make see, any difference? Uh, no, only in the sense that I would question why he would even put in a book that they were consensual, mm. if you get me. Oh right, I see you what know, you mean, yeah do, you, yeah. do you know what I mean? Was I he mean, excusing them sort of in, or, in some sort of a fashion, yeah? I, I, I can't put my finger on what I want to say exactly, but I mean, if you're writing a book and it's about 
what he wrote. Mm. Why would you say they were always consensual? Unless you knew you'd done something wrong. Right, so you were so making a case my, for yourself in exactly, some sort of way. Exactly, that that's it, yeah. my reading of it. Mm. Um, he was very quick to come out uh, with a public video, we'll say, when before the allegations were even made public. Mm. Just before they were made public. And and I know that there's a lot of witch hunts going on. I do, I accept that. But in his case, I find it very easy to believe that at least some of the allegations are true. Do you follow any of what he's been doing uh, online over the last uh, few years as sort of a right-wing kind of a commentator and maybe, as some people might say, maybe a conspiracy theorist and all of that? Do you follow I, any of that, Mary? I, no, I don't follow him because yeah. I genuinely find... I you just don't like him. Yeah. I don't like him. And, you know, if he told me today it was Tuesday, I'd let it in one ear and out the other. Yeah. But, and I do see all the, the the stuff online and in the news and everything else that he's being targeted. Mm. He very possibly is. But I still believe the allegations. Yes. And, and are you concerned at all about that notion of kind of, you know, trial by media as opposed to trial by jury in some way? That's, oh, know. I would be. Yeah. I'm, you see, I'm just giving my opinion. Of course you I are. And, and why not? Yeah. You know, I, I believe the allegations. Yeah. But I also believe that there has to be a proper investigation. And whatever allegations are proven to be true, he needs to be charged mm. and tried. If those yes. women are prepared to go before a judge and jury, as the case may be, and what happened to them. Now, my, my understanding on that, Mary, just, just for information, is that there, there is no talk at the moment of him being charged in any way or indeed of the police getting involved in this. To the best of my knowledge, at, there's no talk about that, yeah. At the moment, no, the moment, but yeah. isn't, isn't Channel 4 and is the BBC are doing their own investigation? BBC? Yeah. I know Channel 4 are. Yeah. They're doing their own investigations. Now, you see, these, these allegations can go both ways. I mean, look what happened to Philip Schofield. Yes, yeah. Who I absolutely think 100% did nothing wrong. Yeah. Genuinely. Yes, okay. I genuinely believe that. Um, and his career is finished. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. Like, his mm. career is finished. So, I suppose we do have to be careful. What I would say here is the amount of people now, I question some of the celebrities that are coming out and saying stuff. Except for Danny Minogue. I mean, she said it back as far as 2006. Yes, and there was a number of, of women who have been vocal yes. about him over, over the years. Yeah, Over the years. Yeah. But, but they I had to be very careful about them. that from a legal point of view, of course. Yeah. You see, exactly. I mm. know that. Mm. And it's the other thing here is that it wouldn't be, you know, I mean, look at Jimmy Savile. Mm. Yeah. Now, people had spoken to yeah. the BBC, etc., about him. Many, many times, yeah. yeah. Many times, and they were brushed aside. Yeah. So we don't know if the same thing happened in this case. And if that's the case, it's the bloody BBC and whatever other station involved that should be investigated. Because whenever a, a, a claim like that is made, 
it has to be investigated, friend. Mm. Well, you, you, know, you, you would imagine so, but of course, these these people, you see, I mean, he became so popular and so much of a star that they can write their own rules and and laws, I suppose, and organisations but, will go along with that to protect their their product investment. You know? Yeah. I, I know where you're coming from, but that's what has to be stopped. Yeah. And I mean, he's always claimed, you know, oh, I'm a sex addict. Mm. Addiction yes. is blamed for a lot of things. Mm. That it's not responsible for. Right, and and what what are you saying to me there that he was responsible for his actions? Is that it? And of course he, he can't was. blame and it on it. You know, yeah. he, no, he can't. And you know, I mean, let's be realistic here. Mm. Any woman that behaved like Brand did would be called a slut at the very, very least, and mm. probably worse. Mm. But because he was a man. He got away with it by saying, oh, well, you know, I'm a sex addict. Different rules, you think? Of course. That's very and interesting. So if a woman came out and admitted to being addicted to sex, she'd be looked at in a different way, you're saying to me, Mary, is that it? Of course. Right, okay. And I'm not a feminist, as they say, by any means, but mm-hmm. I, I do see what happens. Yeah. And I do see the different reactions even online. I mean, the amount of men online that are defending this mm. guy yes. yeah. is unbelievable. Whereas if he was a woman, those same men would be on with every lewd, rude, crude remark they could think of. Yeah, I'm just wondering about the men, though, who are coming out to support him. I mean, people like Andrew Tate and Elon Musk, and I'm I'm not sure how much credibility those guys would have themselves, and even Tucker Carlson, I suppose, as well, you know? Ah, yeah, but I mean, I'm not even referring to them. Right, oh, you're talking, okay. I'm talking about your general Joe Soap. You should look at it. I mean, it, it is interesting to look at the amount of what I will call ordinary everyday men who are online publicly stating he's being framed, it's a witch hunt, he's upsetting the... Well, I have no doubt he's upsetting the establishment. I've also no doubt he's, he's upsetting a lot of ordinary people with his wacko theories a lot of the time. Mm. But men in general do support guys like this. Yeah, but I read um, I read so much on this now that I, I can't even attribute it properly. But one comment really made me think that you, you could agree with these political theories and views, and you might find him brilliant and insightful and quick witted and funny and all of that. But he may also be a rapist, if you know what I mean. Like exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's the problem, you see. And this is probably why he got away with it. Now, I always found him, um, and look, you know me, I'm no prude at mm. all. Yeah. But I always found him too crude and too lewd. And he's there was something even slimy about his comedy, you know? Right, and that's way before you knew... About the current allegations. I only knew about the current allegations in the last couple of weeks. Yes, of course. But I just never liked him. I always thought his innuendo was 
just across the line, you know. And can I put something to you? Um, and again, I just was reading about this as well. And, you know, that misogyny that was there in the 90s and the noughties. And the, I mean, Simon Cowell, for example, on X Factor, he felt he could say something to, to a young woman like, you sound nice, but you look like a shop girl. And, exactly. th- you know, th- th- there was almost this, that it was allowable that women would be spoken of like this and maybe treated like that. What, so exactly. was he of his time, Mary, is what I'm saying to you, I suppose. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, you know, because, right, Simon Cowell said things. Yeah. I haven't seen him accused of sexual no, assault. No, 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 not at all, or... but just inappropriate Remarks. Inappropriate, yes, yes. And definitely. But you see, I think a lot of that was not to get notoriety for the show. He did it the wrong way. I mean, they were all. Look, I heard our own Louis Walsh saying a few mm. rather debatable, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to be fair, young fellas didn't get away either. Yeah, there was body, yes. body shaming and uh, all exactly. sorts of stuff that, that, that went exactly. on. Yeah. What, what, what yeah. struck me, though, was the security guard at the Dublin venue. He spoke to the Sunday Indo uh, back in 2008, and he was talking about um, a brand performing there. Yes. And he recalled how he picked 12 girls out of the crowd that night and asked yes. them to come backstage, and brand picked one to have sex with. Yes. I mean, that's... That's, uh, That's appalling. Yeah. That's absolutely appalling. The other thing is, and I can never understand this, and thankfully I've never been in the position, I cannot understand, but then again, I, I have to qualify this now because maybe they did complain about it. Why didn't some of these women or girls, young girls, come forward sooner? Mm. And if they did... Who did they come forward to? And why was nothing done? Very good questions. Very good questions. Maybe they you felt, know, Mary, that they couldn't come forward because your man's such a big because star. Because of who he was. And, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. But, but you're I saying if they did, we need to know. Is that it? We, yeah, exactly. We need to know. These these women that are, and they are women now if they were girls then, these women need to come forward and they need to say, look, I went to whoever, and I told them what had happened. And I was either brushed aside or it would be also very interesting to know. I don't think, I don't think we've, we've even heard a third of this yet. It would be also interesting to know, was there any payoffs ever made? All right. Uh, to, to keep people quiet, you're saying, as, yes. as in some other yeah, situation that yes. we would be familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Now, there's no talk you know? about that so far, but you're saying that might, oh, that might no, yet I'm, emerge in some way. Yeah. I don't think we've heard a fraction of the allegations that are going to come out in this. Yeah. I really don't. Because these things, once you know, you know yourself, open a can of worms, there's no bottom. There really isn't. Yeah, there's already talk as well about, you know, other public figures uh, being outed over the next uh, while. Where this is going to, And have we, I mean, is there a can of worms open here, Mary? Um, I think so. Do you think so? I yeah. genuinely, and I think in a weird way, even though I do genuinely believe he didn't do anything really wrong, I think it was opened with Philip Schofield. Do you think, yeah? 
I do. Well, I you think know, there was, was the you, you say he didn't do anything wrong, but there was allegations of him gro- grooming that young grooming. man. And, yeah, but they yeah. were allegations. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the family denied it. Yeah. yeah. The young lad himself denied it. Nothing occurred until he was over right. age. Well, let, let me ask you about that then. I mean, do you think the fact that he's... Now we're talking about Schofield in the, right yes. now. But do you think the fact his career has been destroyed, is that fair then or unfair as far as you're concerned? I think it's a bit unfair think, in, yeah? in this instance. I do, I do. Because, um, how can I put it? The allegations that were made against Philip Schofield, they were never really substantiated. I mean, what exactly was he found guilty of? Yeah. Except, again, trial by media. All right, Mary. Well, you make some excellent points as always. And thank you so much for your time this morning, Mary. Thank you. Thank no you. No problem. Look, look after yourself, Bye-bye. Mary. Thank you. Tom Nooks, August and Olds, Egg Chucked. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. Huge amount of response to uh, both Mary and Liam on the programme this morning. We will get back to to that uh, a little later on, but thank you for that. And that's coming into us on 083 311 You can uh, call us, of course. It's a free phone number, 1800 938 007. And uh, needless to say, you can email at any time at all. That's tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, how we view addiction has changed significantly in recent years. And because of that, how we approach the treatment of addiction has also changed. Well, Ashari in Care is one of the countries most well-known addiction centres and they've been in existence for 40 years now, can you believe? Glad to be joined in the studio by Sarah Cassidy, who is Head of Clinical Services and Jerry Carroll, who is Head of Recovery Support Services and you're both very welcome and thanks for coming in to us uh, today. Just off air, we were making the point there that between the two of you, you almost have 40 years <laughs> of experience <laughs> yes. in, in Ash Irie. Sarah, can I go to you first of all, just to maybe briefly look back on the 40 years, because we've spoken about Ash Irie several times in the programme, we've spoken to Sister Eileen as well, but it's been an incredible journey, hasn't it? Oh, Fran, it's absolutely remarkable. The organisation, you know, founded back in 1983, as you know, by Sister Eileen, Fahi and her vision and her dream to help people with addiction um, was the seed or the start of Ashari, but it's grown exponentially since then. So we still have our adult service in care, as you know, in Tipperary, and equally uh, adult service in Wexford. And then adolescent or young people are met with in Kilkenny. But now we've grown hugely, which Jerry will talk about, in Washford with our um, secondary services in Washford. Now, historically with Ash Irie, we tend to be brave and proactive and move with emerging needs and, and trends. So our 40th birthday last Tuesday, which we celebrated in care, was incredible. But it also was the launch of our strategic plan 2024 to 2028, which is entitled One Step at a Time. And the big piece around that is trying to move and shift with the emerging needs that people are coming with. People are in desperation, Fran, in regards to addiction. So families are suffering 
desperately from the horror of addiction. And we're here, our core purpose, to try and help move people from that horror of addiction into the freedom of recovery. And it, it's, it's very doable. We believe that recovery is possible for everyone and we want to support people in that. The, what you've been seeing over the past uh, couple of decades, Jerry. I mean, what what's changing out there in terms of addiction? The age profile, like 40 years ago, <clears throat> presenting to any, you know, Asheree Care 40 years ago, would have been sort of um, 40, 45 plus male. I mean, and most of it was actually alcoholism. So that has changed. Usually the age profile has dropped. Um, so we've much younger clients. Um, alcohol has dropped slightly, but it is still top of the the, the rank. But uh, the use of cocaine and other other drugs has risen hugely as well. And also now we're also getting an awful lot more females into treatment and presenting for treatment. So that's really good. And as a service, being able to provide residential treatment and detoxification for adolescents has been huge and that's been one of our huge um, really responses to a need, an emerging need and we are the only treatments, 12-step treatment centre in the country that deals and provides um, residential support for adolescents followed by a two-year aftercare programme. Tell me a bit about the 12-step uh, programme. I mean, is it the same 12 steps, whether it's gambling, whether it's alcohol or drugs, it, it's the very same concept. Exactly the same programme, yeah. yeah. And really it's about admitting that there is a problem and that you need help. And the steps work you through that support mechanism of that, you know, that you can't do it alone, you need support. And there are step by step by step to help you work through that. And Whereas in the past it may you know there may have been religious connotations to it. Mm. That's we talk more about um, you know you just can't do this on your own. Um, f- so for us, it's really the higher power. It's the spiritual part of the program that we focus on. Right, and these twelve steps. Uh, they, this isn't AA twelve steps, is it? It is. Yes, it, it, it is. It's the very it same. Is, oh, yeah. it's, the, it's a very Minnesota model yeah, twelve step yeah. AA program, and it has been adapted to NACAGA, yes. all the other fellowships. Yeah, a, a leading question for you, Sarah. But who gets addicted? So I mean, addiction is a remarkable illness in that. It doesn't care who you are, where you came from, what your situation is, in that anybody can be affected. Um, So we're seeing people coming from all over Ireland, every corner of Ireland, um, in for help. And in a group at any one time that's in treatment, you can have, you know, a housewife sitting beside a guard, sitting beside a chap who's been homeless in Cork for a period of time, sitting beside. So we're talking literally your brother, your aunt, your uncle, your mum, your dad. Anybody can be affected by addiction and all um, backgrounds. It makes Mm. no difference whatsoever. So we're there uh, to help anyone. Now one of the big changes that has occurred is that move from urban myth to rural. So addiction is affecting every corner of Ireland at this point. So typically in care on a monthly basis we'd be working with people from at least 11 counties per group and so it's it's, it's immense when you think anybody can be affected. And 
Are there common denominators between people who... There are. There certainly are. I mean, realistically, what we believe in Ashiree is that addiction is a biopsychosocial illness. So it's what somebody... There is a biological element, Mm. there is a social element, and there's a psychological element. But nobody knows how much those three pieces come together for the addiction to kick off. So there's no point in blaming one element or another. Uh, It's just fact. Mm. So you may see family... um, generational addiction where uh, you know mom or dad struggled and then so did siblings or young people children um so you can see that all right um but you'll also it depends what somebody may or may not have been through in their lives so there is that element around trauma and past trauma and that's very much uh, at the forefront nowadays in treatment that we would look at a person's life completely holistically so every Mm. element of their life needs to be looked at in order to move into recovery because it's not just about putting the drink or the drug or the gamble down it's the holistic piece of treatment that makes the huge difference and doing that in a safe environment where somebody is supported by a multidisciplinary team that are professional and educated in how to help people through this and families. So the families desperately need help too because where there's somebody addicted um, and needs help and needs treatment, the family are massively affected. At least 10 people are are adversely affected around a person uh, who's in addiction and they need an awful lot of help. So Within our strategic plan, one of our big priorities is around improving and increasing the family support work uh, as much as we possibly can to capture that. Yes. Is, is it tough, Jerry? Because I'm always <clears throat> interested in this notion of intervention where somebody is confronted by what it is they're doing and maybe the effect it has on others. Is there an element of that to taking responsibility or is that too harsh? No, no, there's a a huge element of taking responsibility for yourself and your actions and your behaviours. And that's sort of necessary to see it for what it is in order to move forward. Now, we do it in a very gentle, respectful manner and the programme, the 12-step programme, allows for that. But you have to get a a grasp on, I suppose, the consequences of active addiction, not just for you, but those that you love too, those people. Like, we would very much see that for one person in addiction, active addiction, there's 10 people affected automatically. So, and the same as one person comes into a recovery, 10 people are affected straight away. So, like, whole families, employers... You know, the the, the, um, the ripple effect of active addiction can be huge within whole communities, you know. And if I present myself at Ash Irie and I acknowledge that I have a, an addiction problem, what, what happens first of all? What happens, Sarah? So, Fran, it's very straightforward. It's literally we will set up an assessment appointment and mm. we'll do that with the person and ideally a family member or a loved one or somebody in their circle would accompany them. And we'll go through all the different life areas of difficulty and assess whether or not our level of care is what's needed. So our level of care is obviously residential addiction treatment. Um, And if somebody is appropriate for that, they may also require detox. So that means that the the alcohol use is so high or polysubstance use is so high. So it can be benzodiazepines, opiates, uh, prescription Mm. medications, things like over-the-counter neurofen. It can be such a range of things. People have huge difficulty stopping that and in a safe way. So 
what often people don't realize is that one of the most dangerous things to detox off is actually alcohol. So if somebody's using alcohol daily for a long period of time or a few times a week, their body is completely used to alcohol. And you take that away, the likelihood or risk of seizure is very high. And it can be quite dangerous and life-threatening. So we provide a safe residential detox. We have 24-hour nursing care to help a person through that. So after assessment, if detox is necessary, we will um, give an admission date and the person would be met by the detox doctor, which we have a wonderful doctor, level 2 GP, and the nursing team. And we will help somebody come through that detox phase and then they would begin the 28-day treatment if it's in the adult service. In the adolescent service, it's longer. They'll do detox initially and then 42 days of treatment. So um, the process itself is very straightforward. We'll involve the family or loved ones all the way through, from the screening to the admission to the Wednesdays in treatment to Sundays and on into aftercare and recovery support. So it's... You know, it is much more straightforward than it sounds. And mm. um, once that phone call is made to our centralised number, that's it. The ball is rolling, and we'll help any way we can. And certainly, if we're appropriate, then we'll we'll take action as quickly as we can. For and the at what point is the person back into the community? Then I mean, or what informs that decision to say somebody's ready to go back? So our program is set. It's a twenty-eight day program, but detox can vary. So that could be a week-long detox or it could be three weeks of yes. detox, depending on the person's need. So they may be with us in care for longer than 28 days, you know, a number of weeks. But once the treatment programme is completed, they would return home. Where we saw a massive emerging need, and that was seen many years ago, uh, was in um, set up in Waterford. And that's as a result of this other need, which I'll let Jerry talk about. Yeah, yeah what about that, Jerry? Is that a follow-on? Is, yes, is that what it's it is? very much, we call it secondary treatment. And it was identified by the staff in Asheree, you know, many, many years ago, that a lot of people, when they came into treatment, they did extremely well in the structure and the supportive um, setting of Asheree. But the, then they went home. And then it starts to crumble sooner or later. And then relapse was inevitable. So Ashiri took the brave move at the time, 20 years ago, um, to set up Ashiri Kemal and Waterford secondary treatment for those that were deemed or, or seemed to be most, um, you know, that would uh, need additional support and yes. time. So really the secondary treatment programme is about, number one, reinforcing everything that's been learned in primary treatment, building a really strong solid foundation of recovery and then looking at the different challenges that come up in early recovery you know so as Sarah said earlier we are a holistic approach so we deal with the person as a whole person so we look at um, you know their abilities their coping skills uh, their living skills we look at their vocational pathways um, we have a, an award-winning training and education program so really is getting people back up on their feet um, getting them back into employment or giving them a sense of purpose something to get up for every morning now our programme is 24 weeks and then we have a carry on from that which we call sober living so really as an organisation we're offering clients who are most vulnerable high level support for a year 
which is completely necessary. And our recovery rates are quite high as a result of that because we are dealing with the most vulnerable and they do need the most support. But the outcomes are absolutely incredible. The other alternative to that is that we have a revolving door situation where people are in and out of treatment centres every couple of years. And the cost to the economy and to our health service is absolutely incredible where a treatment and secondary treatment would cut out all that. So really, and we work very closely with the families as well. So it's not just that person. It's the person's partner, family, mums, dads, brothers, sisters. So as I said earlier, the impact of one person coming into recovery impacts 10 people. So, like, that's huge if you start thinking about how that ripples out again, you know. And where the younger people are involved then in the Kilkenny Centre, are the same supports available to to them or how does that work? To to a proportion, yes, over 18s. But unfortunately, we haven't been able as yet to provide uh, uh, that prolonged service to adolescents. It would be something that we are looking at strongly. Um, But there is no service. Um, to provide that long-term support for the adolescents. Right, but, but we you, are looking you would at like, that. You would yes. like to see that. Yeah. Just off-air, we were speaking about the, the notion of multiple uh, addictions as well, Sarah, and obviously that's something you come across. Or is that a situation that if somebody deals with their alcoholism, that they will replace it in some way with an addiction to something else? Is that...? Yeah, no, certainly that's a big risk, though, Fran. Yes. Where somebody may decide and they get well from alcohol, uh, they've had treatment, they're clean, they put alcohol down. It can be a big risk of cross-addiction where somebody will begin uh, compulsive gambling and replace the addiction or sex addiction or shopping or over-exercise or overwork. There can be many elements across addiction or uh, over to prescription medications or pain medication and on into illicit substances. So the risk of, of cross-addiction is very high, very high. We'd have many people in the past um, prior to actually putting in place massive education around cross-addiction uh, that would have come back, they've got clean from alcohol and come back for treatment for compulsive gambling. And we were talking about Russell Brand earlier on this morning. God knows the whole world appears to be talking about Russell Brand at the moment, but he has openly admitted himself that he's a sex addict or he has been a sex addict. I mean, is that an addiction you come across? in? in Certainly. I mean, we don't treat it as a primary addiction in Ashiree because we don't feel that we're qualified in that area. But you would often find it presenting as a secondary issue to the primary addiction that somebody's presenting with or you would see it at a later stage so where you may not have seen that as being an issue in primary treatment you'll certainly see it emerging later as somebody's moved into recovery from their primary addiction it comes to light that relationships are an issue uh, sexual pornography um, various things like that will emerge as being an issue and again then that's a huge problem it's going to affect a person's life dramatically in the same way as the substance did you alluded to substances like neurofin and, uh, and the like as well. Is that becoming a big issue? Is that yeah, uh... certainly. Codeine addiction is a massive problem and it's not spoken about a great deal, but we would have people come to us for help and needing detox from codeine that was pur- purely and primarily uh, neurofin plus or sulpidine over the counter from the chemist. And so people going from chemist to chemist through the locality, you know, sourcing 
that level of neurofenercodine. And yeah, it's a big problem, big problem. The other big issue that we're having that's not often spoken about are individuals going to the GP and maybe prescribe benzodiazepines or things like Valium, Xanax, mm. things like that. Antidepressants? Or, yeah. No, not the antidepressants, but more the... Um, the benzodiazepines are like muscle relaxants oh, yes. and to be yeah. anti-anxiety yeah. type uh, medication. And that might be very appropriate initially, but they're hugely addictive. And for that cohort that may be struggling, then it can become a very big problem. Um, and the prescriptions are quite difficult to come off. And benzodiazepine detox is actually quite long. Uh, it can be three weeks uh, that it requires to come off benzodiazepines. So they're, they're not spoken about a great deal, but they're prescribed liberally. Yes. around the country. And, and gambling, we hear, is being a huge... Particularly with online, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is that your experience like again, as well? Like, again, Fran, it's right at the touch of a button. Yeah, you know, so it's it is, on yeah. these phones. Yeah. The same way as... And I'll speak about that in regards to the drug accessibility. But the gambling is so insidious because nobody realises it's going on until it's a massive problem for for a cohort of people. For, for some, that's no problem. Great. But for a cohort, nobody realises until the housewife or mum has gone to the to the checkout in Aldi or Tesco or wherever, exactly. and the card has declined. And that is that's that story happens over and over and over again. And the shopping cart has to be left at the at the counter, and the and the children not fed, etc. I mean, it's just horrendous. We have people losing farms, losing houses, losing businesses, losing pubs, losing you know what I mean because gambling is such a massive problem. It's frightening, isn't it, for people listening this morning, Jerry, out there who may themselves be affected or indeed be, uh, could be a spouse or, or, or what, what What would you say to them, particularly where all you have to offer in HRE is concerned? Well, firstly, you know, the strong message is that you're not alone. Um, pick up the phone. And as an organisation, we have the array of services to support you where you're at. So we will meet you wherever you are. And we, we can support you. We believe that recovery is possible for everyone. And as an organisation, we have the responses to meet those needs. And, you know, the fear and the stigma and the shame that's attached to addiction, that can be broken. And we as an organisation are actively, you know, this is why we're here this morning. We're breaking the stigma, you know, um, and recovery is possible. We can help you get into recovery, pick up the phone and we can help you from there. And just for clarity, you've seen people turn their lives around, Sarah. Oh, you know. friend, you've never seen anything like the miracles. Honestly, now. Miracles, I'm 17 years in, in Ashiree, 17 years, and I've seen the most incredible turnarounds in people yes. from every walk of life and get their life back and actually be happy again. So, you know, to see somebody coming back on Medallion Day, which is a celebration we do when somebody's a year in recovery, to see them coming back and the smiles and the families are together, families that you thought were never going to manage to get through, you know, and come back together are all back together. And to just see the peace of mind on people's uh, faces. I mean, sure, that's that's worth gold. And there is a phone number. There is a central yep, phone number. Yes, we have centralised phone yes. number. So it's 052-744-1166. And from that number, we can access all services within Ash Irie in the four counties. OK, and again, that number, Sarah? 052 
0818-104-1166. All right, and if you're scrambling for a pen now, Emma will have that and we'll give it out to you again a little bit uh, later on. Well, the very best of luck for the next mm. five years, I'm sure. You know, at the at the risk of it, and, you know, I know addiction is a terrible problem, but it's a fascinating work because it's work with human beings, isn't it? Yeah. And everybody's an individual. So oh, yeah, it's just incredible, though, Fran. You know, to, no day is the same. Yes. No day is two days are the same. I'm there 17 years and I love going to work because the people that we meet are remarkable people and I I, I love people that have gone through addiction. They're generally the best in the world, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's, it's an amazing... Yeah. Uh, amazing you, 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 you're nodding furiously at that, Jerry. Uh, no, you 100%. Percent. Yeah. Um, I, I have nothing but complete and utter... Um, Respect number one and uh, admiration for people who have hit rock bottom and have fought back, who have fought to, you know, for a lot of people, and we see this every day, people going into detoxification and they're half dead. You know what I mean? Addiction has absolutely ravaged every part of their life. And with time, support and a safe environment and love and care that we provide, they can get their lives back. They can get their families back. And, like, it's to be privileged and to be honoured to be part of that journey for, for any one client to see them grow and take back complete charge of And we in Waterford, like, we, we have the longer view and we see, you know, young men and young women, you know, get on with their lives, hold down full-time employments, have families, you know, really fulfilled, meaning, meaningful lives. It's an honour and it's a privilege to be part of their journey. It really is. Um, recovery works. That's the message. Well, it was fantastic to to chat to you both. And uh, thank you for coming in to us. And the very best of luck where, where HRE is concerned going forward. So once more, that number is 052 That's right, Sarah, isn't it? That's great. Thanks, All right, Frank. thanks very much. Indeed. We'll thanks, take Frank. a break. We'll be going live to Cashel in just a few moments' time. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Some of what's come in to us there following my chat with uh, Sarah and Jerry from uh, Ashiree. One listener saying, listening to the Ashiree Contributors, I have to say that what I once thought was impossible came to be. My partner is off the drink 20 years with thanks to Ash Irie where he went to get uh, help. Um, another person saying, 10 years sober, Fran, thanks to Ash Irie. And yet another listener saying, I went to Ash Irie, Fran, they were great. I haven't drank since. The hardest part is going in the front gate. 083-311-3311. Now we're aware of the great work that is done by tidy towns right across uh, the county, indeed right across the country as well, even on days like today. Uh, volunteers are out sweeping and weeding. Unfortunately, they're also clearing up after other people's mess. Our reporter, Alison Highland, is in Cashel with the tidy towns group there. Ali, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Fran. I'm here in Holland of Fela in Cashel this morning. We've just uh, come in out of the rain there this morning for a few minutes to talk to members here. And even though it is raining outside, it hasn't stopped this group. There's, they still have a lot of work on their list to do for today. And indeed, every day, Chairman Paddy Downey of uh, Cashel Tidy Towns, you were telling me you're out five days a week. Yes, we're out five days a week. Uh, we meet in the morning, it's nine o'clock, and we work about about 12 
So I was enjoying every minute of it. Is that unique for a group that they would go out every day? Oh, I say it is. I wouldn't. Yeah. I would imagine that there's no, no other group in Ireland that would have such a commitment as we have. You know. Yeah. So. And what brings you out then five days? Is is it that the letter is so bad, or is it just that you all love each other so much you can't bear to be without each no, other? I suppose what brings us out is we love our town. Yeah. And I mean we're we're doing our best for our town, and we're out. With, there's jobs, different jobs to be done here and there. We, we might see some flowers to be set, or we might see a wall to be built, or we might see litter to be picked, or something like that. Yeah. And uh, you know, like yesterday, we were cutting a hedge above it to go to school. So I mean, that's all part of our, our our daily work, you know. And I imagine during summer, then you're you're up the walls with jobs to be done. Does it slow down in winter at all, at all for you? No, well, it's, it slows down. We don't, we wouldn't be going as hard, but yeah. we'd be still out nearly every day. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll still be meeting every morning. Yeah. We, we, we meet up in O'Neill's there for tea in, in the mornings, and it's great to have a little chat for maybe half an hour and just catch up with the news of the town. And, uh, yeah. and uh, as well as that, then during the day, if we were out around, walking around, we wouldn't do too much. We love meeting people, talking to them. Like, for instance, yesterday I met two Americans, spoke to them for half an hour, which was very interesting as well. So, I mean, we're, we're delighted just to promote the town, yeah. and that's what it's all about. Because you're pretty unique here because you are such a tourist town. I mean, does that in itself bring an issue with litter, or do you find that tourists who are coming in here are quite respectful in that? Ah, sure, the, the tourists are, are, are very good as regards litter. Yeah. I mean, you, <clears throat> we have no more litter than any town, you know, so, I mean, we just do our best, we pick up, when we see it, we pick it up, we give seven days out picking litter on the roads, but that's a part of the whole thing, mm. you know, and I mean, uh, uh, that's no difference from any other town, you know, so. How many members do you have, Paddy? We have about 12 members at the moment, they're all very committed, they, some of our members, as we say, we come out in the morning, there's more of our members come out in the evening, which they're not able to come out in the morning, yeah. this is great as well. So you work in shifts even here? Uh, we don't work in shifts. <laughs> Unofficially? It's a, it's, a, it's a team effort. Yeah. And that's what it's all about, you know. That's incredible. Can I ask then, I know we're going to talk to a couple of members there in a minute, but have you seen an increase or a decrease in litter? Do you think people are getting better in terms of their behaviour and their attitude towards litter? Oh, definitely they are getting better because when I started research 20 years ago, the, the litter was a, was a major problem. But as of now, no, it isn't, it isn't bad at all. That's you great. know, and I mean, we have, we're all working together as regards the litter. We have the, you have the council working and they're, they're doing their bit and mm. you have, we say, the tidy towns and you have individuals as well going out and they would pick the little bit of litter, you know, and yeah. there's, there's good teamwork because if there's some individuals they pick litter and they just, give some of us a ring and to say there's a bag here and there's a bag there and we can get the the, the, the two workers to take it away. So yeah. we're, we're working as a team. Fair play. And I'll come back to you on it in a minute, but just to talk to some of the volunteers, John is here with me now. Uh, John, I know dog fouling is one thing that comes to mind because a lot of people give out right across the county about the huge issue of dog fouling. Is it as bad a problem here in Cashel as it, it is in other areas? Not really, because there's a man going, we have a man going around there with plastic bags and yeah. the bins to put them in, to put it into. They've made a big difference, haven't yeah, they? A huge difference. Yeah. They're covering a lot, you know. Yeah. When did you get involved yourself? About 12 years ago. And what led to you getting involved? <coughs> well, I was just after I retired and 
So I, and I moved on from Hilkham and down to Cashel. Yeah. So did you no, find it was a good way getting to know? I didn't know, know I didn't know many around. Yeah. So I wanted to get involved in the community, you know. That was the main reason why I joined up. Do you enjoy it? Immensely. Oh, what about it do you enjoy so much? Well, I like meeting the people. Yeah. Having the chat and getting the work done, you know. Even in weather like this, does that bother you at all? Not a bit. Good man. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> What's your favourite aspect of it? Just meeting the people in terms of the job itself? Well, setting the flowers, yeah. mainly the flower bells, digging and setting the flower bells, mostly the shrubs. Yeah. Well done. We'll keep up the good work. Frances is here as well. She's another volunteer. Frances, I was surprised to hear actually that there's um, a low enough number of women involved because I think a lot of people assume that it's mostly women that, that uh, kind of make up tidy towns groups, but not here in Cashel. Well, it would appear so. Now, I'm told in, in the, <laughs> when the foundation of the whole organisation, it, it was women-led and on, Unfortunately, that has changed. But th those of us who are involved, and there are a few of us, Siobhan and Pauline and Alice and Hazel, and uh, I think Jean is one of the original founding members and she's still involved. And if, forgive me if I've m I haven't mentioned other women that I know. But we're here, we're doing our bit, and we, we're well able to account for ourselves. Yeah. What's your favourite aspect of it? Well, I just love to see all the improvement in the town. And I, I'm uh, not native, and uh, I think it's a gorgeous town. And I think anything that we can do to enhance it, it's just lovely. And it looks great any day of the week and yeah. uh, I think really I suppose maybe the planting shows it off most but I like all the work that we do. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to see brought into Cashel? Uh, you know obviously you wouldn't be an, an, totally responsible for that, that the council and maybe the OPW would have um, input in that as well but is there anything in particular you think that maybe it's lacking that it should have that might help your work? Um, well, I think there's very good engagement with all the organisations involved in keeping the, the town uh, presentable. Um, it's not something that I've actually thought of. Um, businesses do their bit and yeah. uh, there's nothing I can think of off the top of my head. It's not something we've actually discussed. Yeah. Christy then is another volunteer. Christy, for you, um, what's your, your favourite aspect of it? And like Francis was saying, the input by businesses, I'm sure that's a big part oh, of it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, it's just lovely to, to, to after you say you planted your flower beds or you built your wall or that, just to stand back and look at it and say, look at I was being a part of that. And yeah. it enhances the town. And, you know, it's great in for the tourists to see all the approach roads that are looking so well, you know, yeah. with shrubs and wildflowers and you know so but I know that there's pups everywhere though isn't there and sometimes I know it's a problem right across the country that groups put a lot of work in might plant a lot of flowers and they could wake up tomorrow morning and they're pulled out again is that frustrating you might get that sometimes yeah. and again all right you might get a few plants missing here and there you know would you just shovel another it? hole and you plant it again exactly is it? Yeah. yeah shake your shoulders and head off again you know yeah yeah so but Jim, I mean, a lot of people might be listening going, God, I don't know, could I go out every day now and pick up other people's rubbish to drive me mad? Well, what would you say to someone like that? I don't, I don't mind that at yeah. all. I just go ahead. I don't, I don't even think about it now. Yeah. We just go ahead as a team and just do it. And that's, you know, part and parcel of it, you know. So. Well done. God, you're all a very peaceful group here, Paddy. I don't, I don't know if we did that in ski now, we'd all be given out along the motorway going, the bloody rubbish along this motorway. Francis, there a question about what improvements you might yeah. see in the town. I think what we're lacking here in this town, we're lacking number one, we're lacking another hotel. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things. And the other thing is, I suppose, the town park. 
uh, we, we do need the town park and I suppose it is, it is up around the rock is, is, is the place that's marked out. To, it's prime you know. areas isn't it? because we see how well it's done in Care and in Templemore, how it can draw people in. Yeah, it is very important to have yeah. those, those facilities because I mean that's, that's what we are lacking and that's what we as a group will be putting pressure on different uh, people, uh, we say councils, uh, TDs, you name it, to, to try and get that for, for the town. Is it in the pipeline? Well, I suppose it is, but it's uh, I suppose a long way down. It, it takes it takes time. All those yeah. things it, it, it doesn't happen overnight, you know. So I mean, that's that's that, that's our big aim anyway to get people maybe to invest as regards hotels and stuff like that in Cashel. Because if you go to any of the, the tourist towns around, one hotel isn't good enough. They all have two or three or maybe yeah. four hotels, and I mean, I suppose that's where we are lacking that little bit as regards uh, mm. Cashel. You know. In terms of funding then as well, a lot of these groups are kind of self-funded, they do a lot of fundraising, is that the case with you as well? Well we do a certain amount of fundraising but we have a terrible, the business people have been top class here in this town, they have, down to the years they have been put their hand in their pocket and they have come up with their goods, they are keeping us going because it's quite expensive to run the tidy towns with flowers. Tell me what the expenses are. Well I suppose most times it's costing us between Landing up to ten thousand really? to uh, with flowers and beds, you know. I mean, we we, we put up about a hundred baskets every year. We we, we put we, I don't know. We have about fifty uh, tubs around the town, and we have we have about fifteen or sixteen flower beds and shrubberies. Wow. So they all have to be maintained and buying shrubs. And as as you know, most shrubs now they cost seven or eight euros each. Yeah. And I mean, if you if you put in a bed. Uh, you could be spending a thousand euro very simple, you know. Yeah. So I mean, that's where 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 we need the funds. But as I say again, the the, the people of the town, the business people, have put their hands in their pocket. Even uh, one of our members on Saturday night last year was out socialising, and uh, the, um, a person. He's looking at you, John, is he? He is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, put, he, he, he put his hand in his pocket and he gave us 40 euro. So I mean, that's the sort of goodwill that's there in the town. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's and we enjoy that as well. That that people see they appreciate the work that we are doing. Yeah. And I mean, we I suppose at this stage we have to thank the council as well for the amount of effort that they are putting in. Because, I mean, without them, we would be getting no place. And, I mean, if you just look at all the approach roads and the amount of work that's been done, yeah. I mean, you, the care road is an example, and you have you have all over the, the, the green there last year. I mean, you have new footpaths, you have, you have uh, we say, on the, the, the care road, you have the cycle lane now, which is brilliant. And, I mean, yeah. when all that will be planted up, and I know you have people giving out about the, the care park and there in front of Tesco's, but, I mean, there's a fine care park above there's the a bloody car park up the back, isn't there, Paddy? Park up the back. And they could go up there Absolutely. and park. And it's twice as easy to get into Tesco's yes. then to that way. And I mean, if they, they didn't want to climb the stairs, they have a lift to get down to it. So I mean, they shouldn't be complaining. No sympathy here, Paddy. Yeah. No. <laughs> I know you're always looking for new members to join as well. Um, how would they do that? And how could you sell it to us now, Paddy? Why should people join the Tidy Towns here in Cashel? Well, I suppose that they should join the Tidy Towns because we, we, we're, nice, we're a nice bunch of people. Yeah, I can attest to that, yeah. We, 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 we welcome everyone. They'd enjoy working with us. Uh, we don't work them hard. Uh, we would like to see more ladies join us. Uh, 
to to encourage. Well, I mean, what we said. Careful now, Paddy. I know. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I have to be very careful here. So, uh, <clears throat> no. But you no. want a good mix of, of male, female, don't you? Just to get that right. Paddy. Yeah. Paddy says women are necessary because their attention to detail is far superior than men's. Fran Curry says the very same thing. So there you have it. Anyone who's looking to make contact with you then, Paddy, how can they do that? Well, sure, I mean, well, you can contact us. Uh, well, our secretary, Cliff, is on Facebook. Yeah. Or me or any of the members that's here, they, they can just uh, send us a text or... Yeah, because I, I know like you're that. very active on social media as well. You, you, yeah. you update nearly every day. Oh, yes. I mean, that's one thing we... we we keep the people informed the whole time of what's yeah. happening. Uh, we put up photographs the whole time of what we're doing. You know, so I mean, we, we, we have learned a lot too as well since we, we, since we joined the town. We, we weren't able to build walls or anything like that. No, we have built a, a lot of walls around the town. I mean, she over. could build a new hotel, so now couldn't she? We, well, we could. We had the money. Yeah, that's so, the thing. <laughs> so that's 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 all we're lacking—a bit of money, you know. So I mean, if there's anyone out there with a few million, uh, we, we, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, build, we'll build a hotel. No <laughs> doubt about it. Good man. So that's it from Cashel Fran. We're going to head out there now, do a bit of weeding, plant a few flowers. <laughs> I love I love that Pelly is looking for just a few million, Ali. Just, just a couple just, of million, just, just that's couple all. Million. <laughs> that's all. Should they build it? Yeah. All right. Thanks, Ali. Thanks, Thanks to everybody Ali. there in Cashel this morning. Lovely conversation there about tidy towns. A fair play to the people. I love what the man says that, you know, like those of us who are not part of tidy towns were always taking offence on their behalf and saying, as your fellows are throwing stuff out the windows of cars, they must be raging and annoyed and stuff. It appears that the people who pick up are not the ones who are raging and annoyed. It's interesting, isn't it? We're taking offence on their behalf. We'll take a break. Uh, back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Kind of surprised that there's not more reaction and indeed more coverage of uh, the Taoiseach's uh, remarks from New York where he criticised several key aspects of his own government's response to the COVID pandemic, including lockdowns and mask wearing and the closure of schools and construction sites, uh, etc. He said that the decision to reopen the country for that, do you remember the term, the meaningful Christmas in December of 2020, which was followed by 1,500 COVID-related deaths in January, was the wrong call. And he had a bit of a swipe uh, at the now disbanded uh, Neffet team as well. He said uh, that uh, many of those decisions had been driven by public health advice. He confirmed as well that the terms of uh, reference for a commission of inquiry into Ireland's pandemic response will be ready before the end of uh, the year. He criticised many of the key decisions made by the government and the health advice that uh, underpinned them. And uh, while he maintains that the decisions made were the right ones most of the time, he did outline a number of key areas that he was unhappy uh, with. But as I say, I'm kind of surprised that there's not more reactions. I wonder, what are you thinking about those uh, admissions? 1,500 deaths in January. Um, a single worst month for deaths over the entire course of uh, the pandemic. Uh, pandemic. It was at a time when... Uh, we knew how to control the spread of the virus and he said we failed to do so as a country, which I find 
interesting, that comment. We failed to do so as a country. So he's making everybody uh, culpable in, in some way. And he says many of the people who died were probably not far away from the point at which they could have been offered the protection of a vaccine. So some interesting commentary there. He also apologised for personalised criticisms of the health experts that devastated uh, the late wife of former Chief Medical Officer uh, Tony Houlihan. And um, in an interview on uh, on uh, national radio, um, he was tarnished, of course, at the time, but he hit out at advice from Neffet saying that the country should move to level five, the highest grade of restrictions at the time. He said that at the time, the advice to move from level three to five at short notice wasn't thought through and that it didn't take account of the, the realities of businesses. And uh, yeah, in, in his memoir, uh, Tony Houlihan uh, wrote that the comments devastated his wife, Emer, who subsequently died, of course, in February of 2021, and uh, they left her inconsolable. So it's interesting, and it will be particularly interesting, I suppose, to read the, um, the research into how we dealt with uh, the pandemic here and uh, the Taoiseach saying that that uh, information and that report will be available before the end of the year. But we'd love your opinion on that and those admissions. 083-311-3311. Now, following on from my chat with Sarah and Jerry from uh, Ashiree, a listener says, my son, whom I'm very proud of, is 17 years sober and Ashiree helped him immensely. His secret now is weekly attendance at AA meetings, no matter where he is in the world at the time. Another listener saying, powerful listening to Sarah on tip today this morning. She helped me to get my life back in 2011. I never looked back and I owe my life to Ashiree. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie 1800 our free phone number. Now a record-breaking number of people tuned in to watch Patrick Kilty take the helm of the Late Late Show on Friday night. And uh, the figures are rather incredible. A peak audience of 934,000, which is very close to a million, and an average audience of 830,000 viewers. Now, as you know, Paddy Kilty presented the Late Late for the first time. His guests uh, included like Tommy Tiernan and co, uh, President, well, former President, uh, Mary McAleese, the footballer James McLean, and of course the two Johnnies as well. It was also uh, live music, well, kind of live, from Chasing Abbey. The reaction has been uh, mixed and James joins me now. Good morning to you, James. Morning, Fran, how are you? I'm very well indeed. Lovely to talk to you, James. The first you? the first time you watched uh, Late Late in quite some time in its entirety, is it? Absolutely, yeah. I, I had actually turned off Late Late many, many years. Um, it just had got so... So boring, to be honest. I think the new format is much, much better. Mm. You know, the short, the shorter format, the ninety minutes is is plenty. Yes, definitely. Um, and and for, I was actually, can I, I find out? Impressed. Can I just find out, James, why you turned off? I mean, was it the presentation of Ryan Tuberty? Was it the content of the show, the style? Of, why did you decide not to watch the late late? A combination of everything, Fran. Yeah. Um, I think Toberty was trying to to he, he tries too hard to be cool, 
yeah. and he's not. You know what I mean? And um, he had the same people on all the time. Mario Rosenstock. Um, Dermot Bannon. Yeah. Dermot Bannon, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, same thing could happen in the past, we, we don't know, but I was actually very impressed with, with the way he presented the whole show. Yeah, and and the opening monologue—that's almost American idea of you know you open it up and you, it's funny quips and uh, you know. Yeah, and I, I presume he's 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 writing his own gags. You see, that's that's the difference. I, I would imagine so. Yeah. You know, no, he he is a natural uh, comic, comic. You know, so uh, that's the difference. I I, I think Tobey was probably forcing it. Yeah. And I'm sure Pat Kenny Kenny be formed. <laughs> We won't, we won't go there. Right, you, you weren't <laughs> impressed with Russell Kenny at all, were you? No. Oh, mother God. I had to thank. Oh, my God. He's he no personality whatsoever. Yeah. Well, the, I, I, you see, it. I feel I have to sort of say the, he's a very fine broadcaster. He's a very oh, bright yeah. fella. And where current affairs are concerned and international oh, affairs. Oh, current affairs, he, he's, yeah, but yeah. he's too, too serious. Yeah. He's way, way, yeah. way too for, serious. For a light entertainment show, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the only thing I didn't enjoy on, on, on Friday was that, that music. Oh my god, yeah. I, I, no, I, I don't like that song. <laughs> right, this is the Chasing, uh, Chasing Abbey song, is it? Yeah, the Chasing Abbey song that, that was, yeah, yeah. Cringe, cringe, I think. Yeah, I, I was careful because <laughs> because of my old my own baggage of criticizing, but I thought it was awful. <laughs> but well, it's, it's a good. huge hit. It's a huge hit. So you know. So I believe, yeah, yeah. so I believe. Yeah. But I, I certainly wouldn't be going out to buy it. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, the whole show was very, very good. Um, I, I think he probably played a little safe with his with his uh, guests, and you can understand that. Um, he felt comfortable around him, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I know you you've had some of your. Contributors there on about the, the set. I didn't take too much notice of the set, to be honest. Yeah, I I didn't really either. Except I thought the chairs, the setup for the guests, made it a little bit awkward looking. But uh, that's something that could be fixed very easily. Yeah, I would imagine, absolutely. You know? I, I didn't th- think it, it it took from the show. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Um. And and the claim, James, that it was more of the RTE canteen being herded over to to provide father for for the late late show. Did did you? Think that I mean Tommy Tiernan is a RTE presenter himself, you know. So the two Johnnies on on RTE radio as well. Yeah, well, it's good, good to see a tip mix there. Isn't Wasn't it? it just yeah, yeah, absolutely, sure. yeah. But do you know what I mean? I'm not taking from the lads, but I'm just saying that notion again about RTE people talking to RTE people. Yeah, I suppose that that's to a certain degree unavoidable. You know, that's got, that's going to happen. Mm. Um, didn't didn't bother you too much. No, it didn't bother me yeah. too much, and, and it certainly couldn't put James McLean into into that bracket. Well, that's that's for sure. What do I, I I liked that interview with him. I have to say, what what did you make of it? I think so too. Very very honest. Yeah. Very very honest. I mean, it, it's not easy to come out and you know and say what he's gone through. Yeah. Um, we've all known that you know he's he, he's taking his stand on the poppy and you know speaking about autism and that that that's. Yeah, that took a lot of guts. That took a lot of guts. And also speaking about the plight of Catholics in in the north, yeah. it's so rarely I hear that on RTE that I was shocked by it. You know. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose they're afraid to say anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, in case, in case uh, you seem to be rocking the boat. Yeah, and and do you think that maybe going forward he needs to continue to rock the boat a little bit, and maybe even rock it a little more? Oh, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. 
but as I said, that, that was his that was his uh, first show, so he's, he was uh, understandably nervous as well. Of course, uh, yeah. You know, that, that was visible. But, but totally understandable. Yeah, and he was but, emo- um, emotional as well, of course, at times, yeah. He, he was, yeah, yeah, and it was about to be emotional. Um, but definitely, I, I'd watch it again. Yeah. Definitely, and I, I, I wouldn't have said that in many, many years. Even go back to to uh, gay, gay's time. I mean, some gay stuff was, was cringeworthy as well. What What didn't you like that that gay would have uh, done, James? Uh, I think again, a bit like Torbity, he, he tried to be kind of, you know, okay, okay, all that kind of stuff, and trying to be Americanized, which he wasn't. And mm. um, some of his interviewing was, I mean, the one that sticks out in my mind is the Annie Murphy one. Yeah, that comes up time and time again too. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I mean that, that was absolutely disgraceful. Yeah, you know the way that lady was treated. Do you think so? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that was. She yeah. was um, definitely set up that night. What was the famous comment that if your son turns out to be half the man his father is? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I'm I'm saying this, and I I I almost on a weekly basis I admit I I think uh, Gay Byrne was the king, and I think nobody can touch him as a broadcaster. But <laughs> that's just I felt I better say that there, James, because people will remind me. I thought he was terrific. You know, I really did. Yeah, yeah look, he he um, he set yeah. the standard, I suppose. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you weren't too impressed, anyway. Which is which you're. No, uh, maybe maybe, to. maybe more towards the end, um, Fran. Yes. You know, yeah. I, you know. Yeah. It's uh, interesting. I, I, I well, was, uh, you see, we always watch the Late Late Show, but uh, I'm sure my age here, back in the day, so we all had one channel anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so that that's uh, what was on, like you know, but. Yeah, but um, at least you'll go back. You will continue to watch for a bit anyway, and you'll see how it how it evolves. I, I will, I, I definitely. I mean, I mean, I, I, I said I'd, I'd watch it on Friday night with, with an open mind. Yes. Um, you know, with a blank canvas and see see what would happen from there. And uh, yeah. Well, totally impressed. If it's okay, James, we'll check in with you in a couple of weeks, and we'll see how you're how you're getting on absolutely. with what you're being. Is that is that okay? Yeah, yeah. And if there's something I, I see honest that I, I feel. I, you know, I, I get in touch with you. All right. You look after yourself, James, and uh, thanks very much for coming on with us uh, today. Let's go to uh, Paul now. And uh, Paul was watching as well. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, Fran. Um, you I, took I, you took notice there was a lot of advertising, and I agree yeah. with you, wasn't there? I, yeah, yes. I better just tell the note. I didn't actually see it late, late show. Oh, I've, okay. I've heard that, that Tuberty was uh, operating a la Gable. Right, okay. You know, uh, but, and in fairness... You mean the Kilty was was the Kilty was not not Kilty totally. was, yeah. yes sorry okay. Kilty was acting a a a, a, a like Abel, yeah which is not, not, yeah. not a bad thing at all yeah, yeah. I mean uh, I have to say what well, what put me on to Gable many many years ago I was home from school with a little bit of cold listen to the the, the, the Gable on air yeah and and a woman wrote in and said dear Gable I have a terrible problem and I know you're the man that will have the answer so I told to see well, well what's the problem and he said uh, basically. My daughter's married seven years and has no sign of children. What am I going to do? <laughs> and Gabo said, you know you came to the very right, you came to the right man, I have the answer for you. Right. I'll tell you exactly what you do. Mind your own bleeding business. <laughs> oh, God almighty. Oh, God. Like, so the... Kilty rocks boats. Gabo's a great man to rock a boat. Well, he certainly rocked the boats uh, over the years. That's, that's, that's for sure, yeah. He had one thing that nobody in the world in television history had. He had the right 
let's say the, the show was due to end at 11 o'clock. Mm. He had the right to let it run on for another half hour if he thought it was going well. Very good. Very good. Good Nobody to point that, that out. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. What, what, what was, power that was, wasn't it? Oh, God. Well, as, as I said, actually, when you come to the point of uh, the, 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 the WhatsApp I sent in, mm. uh, it's my understanding that a 10-second ad slot during the Late Late Show will cost you 30000 Wow. Wow. So one, one episode of the show would pay... Wages. Yeah, because there was a lot of advertising. A lot oh, of yeah. advertising. Well, I mean, yeah. uh, people just complain about how much Gabo got paid. But I mean, if you're running a car dealership and Paddy is selling cars for sport, mm. you'll pay him whatever he wants. Mm. Yeah, because it works for you, is what you want. Yeah, because well. he, yeah. he brings the. He, he, people, well, like, like your last uh, listener was saying, uh, well, I, I grew up too in, in one channel land. And yeah. you, you watch Late Late Show. Uh, just that I, I, that I very rarely get near the television these days, so basically I didn't see the Late Late Show. Yeah. Uh, but in uh, yeah, we did watch the uh, the Late Late Show when I was young, and when, when we were first married, and what have you. But I'll tell you what, it'll be the acid test, the toy show. Do you think? That is, yes. That is, yeah. Like, I mean, uh, yeah, 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 your last test was given it with Pat Kenny. Mm. I mean, was it... Uh, I think it was Pudge and Roger, maybe it was Dustin was saying that Pat Kenny got his job on the Late Late Show after he got a license from Quailche, but that wouldn't. <laughs> so this, 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 this I didn't hear that, but that's, that's very good. That's very that's good. That's what he said. He said, Pat Kenny got a license from Quailche, but that wouldn't. Oh, God. Yeah. But again, he is a brilliant uh, court and affairs journalist. Oh, top class. Top Serious class. Absolutely top I, class I, yeah. I don't think he was able to bend enough Late, late. Well, it's a different gig, you see, Paul. It is you know, a totally different it, gig. You know, yeah. And I also have to say that the one your list was yesterday was saying that Tuberty was thrown under the bus. Mm. He was. Do you think so? He, he absolutely was. I thought this man is getting paid this money and so on and so forth. Uh, as I say, one late late show will pay his wages and a whole lot more besides. Well, the aforementioned uh, Mr. Mr. Kenny, um, back, I think it was about 2011, uh, he was making mm. 900,000. Yeah. You know, at that point. So, yeah. And, 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 and as I say, I mean, the, 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 the Late Late Show is, excuse me, it's the most expensive ad on RTA. Mm. And if, if it's a 10 second ad, it's 30,000. An ad break is two, three minutes. But but here's an interesting one for you, Paul, and I'd love your opinion on this. I mean, if mm. Patrick Kilty can bring in, what was it, a peak audience of 934,000, does it really, I mean, obviously you want somebody who's capable and, and who, who's able to do the job, but does it matter who's doing the job then? I mean, so in other uh, words, why why would you pay somebody really over-the-top money if the likes of Anton Savage could do it or... You know some 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 of the other broadcasters, uh, the national broadcast. Why, you know? Uh, I think basically it's because the Late Late Show is institution. Okay, right. It's the flagship of RTA. Yeah. You know, and uh, having said that, uh, there was an awful lot of people that I was listening to. Basically, I, I drive a school bus, so I, I listen to the the, the south in the morning as I'm coming home. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. Yeah. I, and. Uh, I just basically, uh, there was a chap on saying, well, he wasn't impressed uh, that much, but he'd watch it for the next three or four weeks anyway. Mm. Just, mm. just to, to like, give, 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 give the Patrick Healy a chance to settle in and let mm. things find their own level. So uh, th- 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 that would imply that, 
the new the new broom doesn't always sweep sweep as clean as they'd like. You know? I suppose, yeah. And if you took Keelty out of the equation on Friday night and you put Tubbs in, I mean, those guests wouldn't surprise you, really, would they? If no, you, if you know no, what I mean. no. In other words, it could have been a typical Late Late Show, but presented a bit differently. Is that is that is that fair comment, do you think? I would say so. I yeah. would say so. Like, but I mean, it's, it's having said that, uh, with all the troubles that RT is having, are they going to have the money to bring in the guests? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a huge issue, isn't it? Yeah, but having said that, I mean, are you going to have? Uh, and the, well, obviously not going to have the likes of Peter Euston up and, and, and like for them. Yeah. Or, or Ollie Reid coming on, Ratterst, drunk, and then. <laughs> do you remember and that? Do, wow. And doing yeah. hands, and doing handstands on the floor. <laughs> yes, yes. You know. So I, or, or the, the, the Northern Secretary Peter Robinson. Do you remember? No, it wasn't Peter Robinson. It was uh, Peter. The other guy, he came on and he sang a song, do you remember? And he destroyed his career by doing so. Oh, on, yeah. On the late late show in the midst of what was going on politically in the North, yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. It's, it's the yeah. easiest thing in the world to do. Yeah. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're in public life and you put yourself in that position, uh, the risk is yours. Yeah, of course, yeah. Of course, yeah. But, uh, uh, and and P, P. Flynn, do you remember P. Flynn being on and talking about how difficult oh. it was for him to upkeep the houses and, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, there was a, anybody and everybody w- was on the show. Yeah, I think he had lesbian nuns on at one time as well. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, so he, somebody asked him at one stage, "Who was the worst interview you ever did?" Yes, and he, he said Danny Kay. And that, yeah, I, and I find said, that remarkable because Danny Kay always came across as so affable and you know. Yes, yeah, apparently so. the only thing, only only people that Danny Kay liked were children. And I don't mean that in any bad way. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah, yeah. But yeah. he said he was the sourest man I ever interviewed in my life. And you nearly wanted to talk to get an answer of a question. Yeah, and when he said that, I remember looking it up and seemingly that was the case with Danny Kay yeah, wherever he went. That he, was, yeah. he was horrible, by all accounts. <laughs> but, well, yes, because I know that there's a... Yeah. There was a there's other, like the joke, if a, if a fella tells a girl she's ugly, he's just nasty. And if a girl tells that other girl she's ugly, she's a bitch. But if a child tells you you're ugly, it's for the bone. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because of you the know, honesty it's, of it. Uh, yeah, they, it's incredible. Yeah, they've no yeah. dog in the fight. But you know what's very interesting about our conversation, Paul? Well, there's lots interesting about it, But what's particularly coming through to me is here are we remembering particular interviews from at least 30 or 40 years ago. Oh, yeah. And, and if you asked me now to remember a particular interview with... Ryan Tuberty or with Pat Kenny, I'd be hard pressed. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So what does that tell you? Uh, uh, Uncle uh, Uncle Gabo was the supreme presenter. Yeah, yeah, I go along with it. Yeah. So I tell you that one the, the one the funniest interview I ever saw him do was with uh, Wee Daniel. Yes. Because he asked him a question. He asked him numerous questions during the interview, and Daniel talked on about them. At the end of the of the interview, you realise. That he'd been very entertaining, yeah, but he hadn't answered one question. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd make a great politician. That's that's uh, for sure. Will you oh, watch? Absolutely. Will you watch in the coming weeks, Paul? I think I'll give it a try to okay. see how it goes. Okay. Well, we might check in with you and find out how you feel about it at that uh, stage. Yeah, sure. 
no problem at all. All right. No That'll problem. be the finest. All right, Paul, you look after yourself and thanks so much okay. for coming on with me today. Appreciate it. No Thank problem. you. Thank bye you, bye. Bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Paul. Um, and the reason why we're still speaking about the late late is that uh, those figures emerging today in all of the newspapers, peak audience there, almost a million. It's incredible. 934,000 at peak with an average audience right throughout the time of the programme, the hour and a half or whatever, 830,000. Uh, 083 311 Rita was on to say, Fran, I wish people would stop giving out about Ryan Tuberty. I loved him. I thought he was very good and always had a good mix. This is Rita, who's taking um, what's being said about Ryan to, to heart. Um, let me see. The Late Late Show was very good. Uh, I don't like the set, however, and those revolving flashing and strobe lights as well. Uncomfortable, says Michael. And uh, somebody else saying, I wish people would stop giving out about Ryan Tuberty. I don't think we were giving out about him particularly. In fact, um, Paul was making the point that he figured that he was thrown under the bus. Um, I turned off the Late Late Show in 2010 because it became so boring and predictable. The new one is just more canteen RTE staff and the former president has become predictable. And also, I will not watch it again until they change their boring guests. Brian was on, he was talking about Leo Varadkar, would be well advised to have an inquiry into the excess deaths resulting, as Brian sees it, from the vaccination. And uh, he goes on to give us more information about that, saying um, that uh, the link to health outcomes in Australia and several other countries. And at no point the vaccine prevents transmission of COVID, says Brian. But Brian, there's a lot of people who would disagree profoundly with you where that is a concern. But thank you very much indeed for your comment on 083 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Well, I was attempting to mine what's left of my brain cells there, but thank you so much to one of our listeners who reminded me it was Peter Brook that was the Northern Secretary who, well, he literally wiped his career out by singing Oh My Darling at Clementine. Um, all those years ago on The Late Late Show and uh, thank you for that. Somebody else saying The Late Late Show audience number was just idly idle curiosity. Wait until next Friday. Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. So that's referring to the huge uh, audience and uh, what is it that you think then that uh, he won't have that audience? Is that the point that you're making uh, next time round? Well, we'll we'll see. Uh, It probably won't peak at those kind of numbers, but uh, it's interesting anyway. Susan O'Donoghue is an established relationship mentor and co-creational psychotherapist and uh, joins me as usual in studio today. Good morning to you, Susan. Good morning, friend. And uh, good to see you. Any interest in the late, late show? Did you? I watched part of it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Look, I think he got very emotional. Obviously, it's yeah. it's huge for him. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it was it was all RTE people. You know, that's what my husband that's, keeps telling me. <laughs> that's that's what the crib is. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, it, you know yeah. Largely, so when you see somebody on, sorry, I no got get away from one. When you see somebody like Mr. Keelty uh, on live t- TV getting emotional and allowing a whole occasion to get to, as a psychotherapist, what are you making of, of that? 
Well, I is, suppose is that honest g- reaction, or is it because it's heightened because of the nature of the occasion? Or? And I suppose there's a bit of that in it as well. Only he could tell us, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, you, you know, I, I'd be only presuming what's going on, and that's about me, not about him. Yeah. But, um, you know, I would like to think it was an honest reaction. What's very interesting is how people react to it. That's what's, that's what's interesting. Right. Yeah? Because that's about them then. Yeah. Oh, I and see. are they able to hold emotion? How is yes. it for you when someone's emotional in front of you? Yeah, it's inter- it's interesting um, because you see, I'm here. Am I examining my conscience here now? Because my my reaction to him being emotional was, God, I'd hate if that was me. Now I'd be. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And for some, it could be, Oh my yeah. God, that's so sweet. So and sweet, for others, yeah. it could be, Pull your socks up. Yes, I know. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, but that tells more about. Oh, whatever's the going on who for are you. Judging. Yeah. Well, it's what's going on for you is the important. That's where we need to be at. Yeah. God, I hate all this honesty all the time. Today, you're going to talk to us about how we communicate and. Uh, why it matters and when I said this to you during the break you said yeah particularly how we communicate with ourselves oh it's top and that's just what we're after discussing isn't it yeah. because that communication he he communicated to through the TV to us and then what happened was it was how we we, we perceived that or took it on and that's our communication with ourselves Right. That's the important bit. And that was so lovely that you said that this morning because it's exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> it's interesting. And how do we communicate with, with ourselves, Susan? Badly, I suppose you're going to tell well, me. Well, I wouldn't say that. But um, what I suppose, for me, what it, what it always is, is it's, well, look, we look at why we communicate, right? Mm. Communication, I suppose, is essentially about three things. Provide an opportunity to get to know ourselves, provide an opportunity to get to know another, and uh, uh, giving another the opportunity to get to know us. That's that's basically what why we communicate, right? And I suppose communication is broke up. Well, they break it down into like three different things. This is what they say, right? They say words contribute only seven percent, right? So oh, yeah, right. which I would agree with. Because so what is it then? Body, body language, tone of yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah, like voice cues are huge, aren't they? How we say something and are we um, are we loud? Is how's our tone of voice? The pitch. Like, are we pausing? Are we being sarcastic? Are we being... Like, we can do so much with even our body language, how we look, you know, that look that kills, you know, the look that comforts, you know, it, it it's so... And I suppose this came up for me hugely the last couple of weeks with, with different people that I sit with. And, you know, it's that sense of, like, it, that, that was just such a beautiful thing with the Late Late Show because, you know, do we blame him then for being emotional? You know, and that's projecting our stuff onto him. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. we're uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Or, or think it deliberate to sort of bring you in. Uh, yeah. 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 You know, and how is it that I feel like that? Because that's the important part. Like, he yeah. gave us a lovely opportunity there now to see what's going on inside for us. You know, because if I'm like, if, if that kind of brings up something for me, if it brings up a feeling of, ah, would you go on for God's sake? Do you know mm. that kind of a yeah, sense of yeah. cop yourself on? Like, how is it? Was that how I was spoken to as a child? Right. Was, was, was I allowed to show emotion? How is it for me to show emotion? So our reaction to something like that would tell a lot it's, about us. It's amazing, the opportunity. Now, a lot of the times it can be very... It can feel like it's hurting you or it can feel like... But what I call them is emergency feelings. So if we get really strong feelings, say... And for me, always behind the unconscious feeling is fear. Yeah. So if something comes up really, really strongly for me, say, like judgment, criticism, hate, uh, jealousy, um, anger, whatever it is, those feelings are emergency feelings. Right. So they're coming up loud and clear to let me know there's something going on 
inside of me. Yes. <laughs> Not out there, yeah, that's triggering me, basically, right? That they're touching into some something, I suppose, sore in me, something, some hurt that's in me, yeah? Because they couldn't, they couldn't get a reaction from me if uh, it wasn't in there already. Do you know? Yeah. And like you'll have, you could have 20 people who watched the Late Late Show the other night, right? Five of them might say, oh my God, that was so nice. And yeah, he is sincere. And then you'll have other ones. They'll all have different feelings around it. So how is that? That's from their own experience. Yes, of course it? it is. It's from their own story. And we can only act out of our story. So uh, for me always, like when I sit with people, my first thing is, let's see how we can sit with this and let's see what's going on, what's underneath the feeling, because it's important to find out how is it that I feel the way I feel? How is it that I react like that? How is it that I can't sit with somebody being emotional on the telly? Can I sit with myself being emotional? Yeah. Do I push it all down? Do you know, I remember years and years ago, a great friend of mine who who was passed away and he was talking to me, in the, and I can picture it as if it were just moments ago. He was speaking to me in my living room and he was telling me something very, very personal about himself. In the process of which, Susan, he started to cry. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say or do anything only because I was paralysed and didn't know what to say. But afterwards, he complimented me and said, you did exactly the right thing. I needed that that time and that moment to express my, my emotions. Yeah. But it wasn't that I was deliberately doing anything very good. I just didn't know what to say. Yeah, but your listening is is the top thing in communication. Listening to another and listening to ourselves. That's 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 communication at its finest. Like for a lot of us, like we're awkward sitting with pain or hurt or, you know, somebody else's yeah. pain or hurt. It can it can really, you know, because maybe as children, we weren't allowed to express our hurt and our pain. How was it for you to cry when you were small? That that brings w- up a lot. Were you allowed to do so? Were that, you? That's like, how is it that I'm uncomfortable with that feeling? But I'm OK with people being happy and singing and being joyful. Like, they're all feelings. There's no such thing as a bad feeling. Feelings are created by us and for us, and they're there to serve a purpose. So we have emergency feelings, which are all the real strong ones that people would say are bad feelings, but I don't. I, that even makes me cringe saying it. And then we have, we have all the lovely feelings, yeah? Mm-hmm. And, like, what's the difference? Like, feelings are for us and about us. We create them, right? So they cannot be about anybody else. They're coming from us. Yeah. So it's always our business to be back in here thinking, what's coming up for me now? What is this person triggering, if you want to use that word? Or what is this person touching into? I prefer that way of saying it. Touching into what hurt are they touching into now? You know, how is it that I'm reacting like this to that person's behavior? Yeah, because not everybody would react to whatever that person does right here, right now. There's only certain Mm. people who will react and we'll all react in different ways because we're all unique individuals who make our own I mean, we're geniuses, right? I, I, mm. I just get goosebumps thinking about how, how amazing we are because how we, we cope. Re- I, oh, yeah. I mean, how we survive this world. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it blows me away. And I think I'm so privileged to sit with people because just even to hear the stories that they tell me about how they're after surviving what they survived and come out the other end of it. And now they're seeking to explore it. Like, to understand it is key, yeah? Mm. We're never going... I, I, 
I don't know. I suppose there's some people would, I don't know, I've, I've only met one person who said maybe you can get to full consciousness by the time you kick the bucket. I don't know, I, don't, I wouldn't feel it's possible. I think we're always, that's the goal, mm. yeah, to go inwards and not outwards. So blame and all that, if you want to talk about living from the outside in, it's when we blame, when we criticise, when we judge, when we feel superior, which is a real, you know, it's it's very it, that's a hard one, isn't it? When somebody looks down on you, um, all those kind of real harsh feelings, like there are ways in to look at how is it that I feel that way, and generally it's all driven by fear. Like when you see somebody who who has this superior complex to you and is always putting you down, right? When they're saying to you, "Oh sure, what sure that's you did that wrong, sure that's no good, sure couldn't you have done that?" But you know this kind of, and they're always knocking you. There's a fear in them. Yeah, that they're not good enough. There's something triggering that because if I'm in a good space, right, and if I if I'm conscious around my own behaviour, I would never try and put someone else down. There would be no need because I'd know that I'm good enough and I know that I'm worthy enough and I know that person is as well because I have it for myself, mm. so now I have it for someone else. But if somebody behaves like that towards me, then I'm naturally going to get you know, argumentative yeah. and, and resentful and, and hate them and stuff. Are you saying to me that we need to see even the bullies tr- try and see past that? Is well, there? I think it's not It's not that the behaviour is okay. Yes, yeah? Yeah. There needs to be boundaries around all behaviour. It's right. not that we can say, oh yeah, knock me away there, I'm grand. You know what I mean? We need to be putting boundaries in place for ourselves. We need to be asserting ourselves so that we can say to them, this behaviour is not okay and then we need to do whatever we need to do around it to take care of ourselves in that, right? And for children, that's what adults need to be doing for the children, right? And there needs to be consequences for behaviour. You know, you can't just go out and treat somebody badly with no consequence. Mm, and mm. the consequence is, is I have my boundary here. You're not going to come into my space. I always think of it like there's a loop around me mm. and these are my boundaries. I set them. And once you step inside my boundaries, then I need to assert myself and take care of my needs, yeah, it's not my job to take care of anybody else's needs. It's my job to take care of my own needs. Yeah, it's their job to take care of their needs. And a lot of times what we do is we become enmeshed with other people. Mm. Yeah, so therefore what happens is like, you know, we'll be the carers and we'll do everything for everybody else or we'll be the takers. Yeah, and mm. we'll take everything mm. from everybody else. And like, like when you care for somebody to the extent you you disable them. Do you know what I mean? You don't give them the opportunity to grow and do their own stuff. And when you just take all the time, sure, there's, a, there's as much joy in giving as there is in taking. So we need a nice balance of both. So I think it's, we all need each other. Yeah, we're mm. all, we all like to be around each other. So I think it's about being solid in ourselves and not getting enmeshed with other people in their behaviours. And we started out talking about communication. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what is ideal? I'm not, I mean, there's nothing wrong with going off. Of course yeah, it is, yeah. yes. But uh, what is ideal with communication? I mean, if honesty is part of communication, for example, we could be very harsh some of the time. You know? Well, I, and sometimes we, we, we pull back on that or we're... You know, maybe yeah. we don't express how we really feel. Um. But when honesty is there, see, if you speak from an eye place, right? Well, I think what you're talking about, Fran, is if I say, you're really driving me, correct? Yeah. Yeah? Right? yeah. If you say something like that. But if I talk from an eye place, if I own my own, take responsibility and own what I'm, what I'm feeling, if I say, I really feel upset now, 
you know, when I heard you say that, I really felt upset. Mm. Now I'm owning it. I'm not saying it's your fault I'm upset. Yes, I'm upset. Yeah, yes, okay. I'm upset. So now I'm owning what's coming up for me. But there's a whole different thing when I project my stuff onto you and I don't take responsibility for it. When I say, do you know you drive me nuts? You're always doing that. Now I'm back into the criticism and, and the blame. judgment and the blame yes, and the shame yeah, yeah. and the put you down. And So, like, that's where I want to come back to. And how is it now that I'm gone out there again? How was it for me growing up? You know, because for all of us, you know, everybody has bags. I've never met anyone yet who doesn't. Maybe there's one out there. Please come and tell me about it because I've never met anyone yet. So I think it's about unloading our bags as we go and not not to load them onto anybody else, to take responsibility. And that's to be responsible, you know, to be able to respond to mm. people. So when somebody comes at me and they're full on or they're, you know, they're timid. Timid is the opposite of being full on. Yeah. And like there's a great power in t- being timid as well. Because if I am, people won't, you know, I'll go, oh, my God, please, please. And people won't come at me too hard then. So do you know what I mean? It's just two different sides of the coin, you know. So, like, there's great power in um, what we do, I think. And I think uh, the key for me is listening. And it's listening to ourselves, number one, so that we're in a place to be able to listen to another. And, like, what was lovely was you could describe when you sat with that friend, you know, like, you knew that you were uncomfortable. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that's lovely because that was listening to yourself, yeah. you know? And the deeper thing is then, how is it that I was so uncomfortable? That's that's what I'm saying. They're the deeper layers. But do you know the question that really occurred to me after that experience, Susan, was if it was a woman, I think mm. I would have dealt with it better. I would say... I would say in our society, our culture, you know, or as opposed to two it. men sitting yeah. down together. See, men, I suppose they're brought up, you know, little boys don't cry. Yeah. You know, it's all that kind of sense of, and girls aren't strong. You know what I mean? Like they're too, aren't they? They yeah. take like there's feminine and masculine, masculine qualities, right? And actually, one of my sons had an argument with this about me, and he's right in the in the sense that feminine sounds like you know female, and masculine sounds like male. But I would say that feminine and masculine are not anything to do with with masculine and and feminine qualities. What a man needs and what a woman needs is an equal share of both, right? Yes, to to be whole. To be whole, yeah? Not to be... But see, when you get the corners knocked off you growing up, yeah? When you're told that you shouldn't be aggressive when you're you're a girl, but you're okay to be aggressive but not to be emotional when you're a boy, yeah, you get the corners knocked off you, don't you, fairly lively. And if it's not knocked off you at home, it's knocked off you in school or it's knocked off you when you go playing sports or it's knocked off you, you know. So I think now that we're adults, most Mm. of us, right, now is the time when you're over 18, you're responsible for yourself. Please, please, please find the safety, you know, with somebody else that you can explore all this, that you can have a look at it and see, where am I in all this? You know, uh, for a lot of people, I suppose, they come to me in the last, well, always, but, you know, they'd say stuff like, um, not repeating that anyone says, but Mm. just stuff like, they'd say stuff like, um, you know, uh, oh, she drives me cracked. She's always at me, that one. You know, that kind Mm. of sensor. Mm. Oh, I can't believe they did that to me. Or otherwise they go, it was my fault. You know, they'll take on somebody else's stuff. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, you know, and I suppose for people, they say to me, how can I do it? How can I do it? And I suppose it's listening to yourself. It's saying, oh, God, that that was very uncomfortable for me. You know, what what's going on here? And I know that um, for a lot of men, when you talk about feelings, mm, right, mm. you know, it doesn't, it's not, they're kind of going, oh, hang on now a minute. Do you know what I mean? What are you at? But like, I think it's so important that men are allowed to be emotional. 
I think little boys, men, mm. and that girls are allowed to be. And is that strong. changing any? Do you think because we hear think about it, is it a changing? Small bit. Do you small think so? Bit. Okay, yeah, because good. I'd work with a lot of um, younger people too, like you know, from sixteen up, and I would say that it is. Yeah, thankfully, you know. Mm. Um, you know, I don't think they're afraid of hugging as much anymore, young, mm, you know, young mm. boys. And, you know, because years ago, like if you got a hug, you know, someone had died, maybe, you know, <laughs> you know a kiss going to bed was, a, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that kind of sense of there's an equalness, isn't there? And we all should be entitled to express our emotions equally. There shouldn't be a limit just because I'm male or female. Of course not. And to sort of link up with conversations that we had earlier on, and I know you managed to hear a little of the conversation around Ashari with Sarah and with, with Jerry. the notion of addiction as well, Sarah, I mean, is that response to, trauma. is it a response to trauma and to difficulty? Can be, and, yeah. And yeah, I would say that um, I was listening to Sarah and Jerry and it was lovely to hear them talk about trauma and forms, yeah. right? Because that's what they're calling it now, right? And I suppose... Uh, we repress feelings and they don't just disappear just because we're told not to feel them, you know. Yes. And for little boys, you I'm sure you got told, come on now, pull up your socks, don't be crying. And girls get that as well. But I think boys got it on a more intense mm. level years yeah. ago. And girls might be told, oh, you can't be saying that. Little girls don't say that. Do you know what I'm saying? So this kind of sense of... So we learn very early in life to repress stuff, right? And when we repress stuff, we push it down. Mm. Yeah, that's where depression comes from. That's where, you know, it's pressed down. We're pressing it down. We're not allowed to express what's going on for us inside. And I suppose, I can't even say it now. When we suppress things, um, I suppose, you know, it's kind of like all this stuff is buried now. It's still there. It's rumbling, but it's under the surface, right? So we're going to, I suppose, come out some way with it. So stuff like alcohol might suit it, mm. you know, cigarettes. I suppose you hear people being addicted to work, addicted mm. to food, addicted. So we take on these roles, right? Because then we kind of half fit in, yeah? Then, like, we're not allowed to express what's going on for us. But if I take on the role of a carer, I take on the role, and then with alcohol, it soothes it a bit. You know what I mean? It takes away the deep hurt and the deep pain and drugs as well, because drugs is huge. And I heard, you know, uh, Sarah and Jerry mm. talking about them and they are huge. And I suppose it's about, you know, being able to express what's going on for inside inside of mm. us. That's the main deal. Ba back to say. communication, of course. Yeah, again. It's, commu it's all communication. All of the time, Always, yeah. Yeah. I heard a podcast with the author, Sebastian Fox, I think you pronounce his name. And I found it most interesting because it was really a case of he protests too much. He was talking about his idyllic um, a childhood yes. that absolute idyllic and he described it as such in the English countryside and all of this and then I could hear about his conversations about who, how he dealt with his time in Cambridge and how he was it couldn't have been idyllic yeah. <laughs> really I've yet to meet someone who had one <laughs> it really couldn't because yeah. I mean everything he described was sort of him trying to prove something to somebody and you know yeah. Yeah, and um, like I think now that's, he's a wonderful author, by yeah. the way, and uh, I'm sure maybe his difficulties play into his talent, but yeah. like it was. But know. it's a very creative, yes. genius way of surviving by saying that I had an idyllic childhood. Yeah, like when you think of the genius of it, like if I do that now because the people who were there to who were my my lifeblood say these people are going to mind me, they're going to take care of me, they're going to feed me, they're going to do everything for me. If I see them as not being capable. Where does that leave me as a child? Yeah. So I'd rather say that it's my fault. Yeah. Or that blame someone else. Yeah. Project mm. it onto someone else. 
because if I if I take on that they're not capable of giving me what I need, sure I'm in deep trouble, aren't I, as a child? Yeah. Do you know every time we speak, I feel I should be paying you. <laughs> <laughs> if, pe if people want to talk to you, Susan, how can they do that? Sure, my phone number is 0863676256 and it's emotionalwellbeing.ie. All right, great to see you again, Susan. Thanks, thanks, thanks very much. And we'll take a break. Back with more in just a moment. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Yeah, it, one of our listeners is making an interesting point, and, and it's a very valid point indeed, that there won't be broadcasting or interviews like those um, that Gay Byrne conducted uh, anymore because people are so easily offended and because of political correctness and uh, all of that. Now, you, yeah, you're making a very good point. I think it's a very different sort of a, a world that we live in in terms of how you conduct interviews and what you can and can't say. And like, now we try and push the boundaries a bit on tip today, says he blowing his own trumpet. But, you know, I, I, I take your point very well. Uh, let's stay with the Late Late Show because John joins me now. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Fran. How are you? Uh, great to talk to you, John. You you were what? I think you watched on Friday night, did you? I did, and like a lot of people, I think if the figures are so high, it was the curiosity factor to know how the the whole thing would unfold, what kind of a job Kilkey would make of it, yeah. the opening se uh, sequence, how they would conduct that, and so I think that's why there was a kind of a large uh, large audience. Now, time alone, you tell as it goes forward, will that stay at that level, or will it decrease? Yeah, and what did you make of it in general? First of all, were you um, a Late Late Show fan? I had no time for Ryan Hubbard, and it was not about the money. She wasn't about that in the first place anyway, nobody is. But the whole thing about her is, is that um, I just never rated him as an, as an interviewer. Right. You know, so nowadays they call Pat Kinney the plank, but I still think Pat Kinney was better than Ryan Hubbard. Now, obviously, Gabor, as your other... Contributors, as I said this morning, Frank, Gay, Gay Burton, like was the master, right? Yeah. But in Gay Burton, you see, dealt with all the topics of the day, the major social problems are all thrashed out on the day show, divorce, contraception, North of Ireland, abortion, everything was thrashed out. And a lot of that stuff now has gone over the line. So, but I mean, there's still a hell of a lot yeah. of social problems that can be discussed on the show. Now, there was one part of the show on Friday night which unnerved me when Mary McAleese. Mm. Came on, former president of Ireland, mm. and she was introduced by the host party Kilty as a woman, not only about the Queen, who had been the Queen here and the North of Ireland and the peace to all that, but a woman that will go to war against any G G A A ref that blows a free against a member of her family. Mm. She didn't want down to regale us with tales how that she was on the sideline. No, this is not like I mean uh, yesterday. This was only up to recently. By her own admission, live on the late day show, she said how her daughter said she was an embarrassment on the sideline to herself and her grandchildren, and she's now banned from the sideline because she used to be shouting at the referee. No, this is not just no ordinary individual, no friend. This is a former president of Ireland, and when you're still, when you're not president anymore, you still have to have a, a level of decorum, like and respectability. And to me, standing on the, on the sideline as a former president, shouting at the referee. 
I mean, that's not showing much respect for the office that you formerly held. It's very interesting, John. And of course, a lot of issues with people abusing uh, refu- re- is, referees. You, you said yeah. you've dealt with them, your program yeah. here. No, you know, I think it was last year there. No, there's referees being verbally abused, which is wrong. The language around children and everything, they're, yeah. they're being threatened. I know where you live. And some of them in me physically saw that. And I think it was about a year ago, if I'm right, there was a referee knocked unconscious in a car park. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, case? I do indeed. I do indeed. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, just, I, to, to, to me, this woman, like, owes the referees of Ireland an apology. And then Tommy Tiernan, of course, chipped in and he said, I believe some level of abuse should be allowed towards refs. Well, you could expect that from Tommy Tiernan. Well, well. I suppose he was trying to make light of it and try, try and be funny about it, but it wasn't funny to you, John, which is the No, it thing, wasn't you know. funny. And then she chipped in and she said, well, we should kind of stop that stuff anyway. But that's a given. It shouldn't start in the first place, and it shouldn't, certainly shouldn't start mm. with the former president of Ireland standing on the sideline like a hooligan. OK, well... Does that not play in to um, uh, Mr. Keelty then? In terms, should he have jumped in at that point? I said, well, Mary, that's... he should have jumped in. But yeah. you see, look again. You see, why they brought in? I, I think Tommy Tiernan and Joe Valley's wife and Joe Hoftekorn. I think they wanted to ease him in. I, there was a rumour that Vera Powell was supposed to be there, the former manager mm. of the soccer. The yeah, women's no, that soccer would have been team. great. Yeah, yeah, I'd have loved that. No, yeah. no, maybe that would come yet because I want to get her side of the story. We've only heard one side, right? Mm. But I think they just wanted to ease them in, and that's why the, the people that would pick that noise, I mm-hmm. think they just wanted to There was going to be no hard-hitting interview last Friday night. Now, yes. hopefully there will be... Well, I mean, I, I would have loved, for instance, to have heard Mary McAleese uh, speak about, you know, I mean, all her difficulties with the Catholic Church and her difficulties with the Vatican. The, you know, there could have been a lot more to having an opportunity to speak to Mary McAleese, if you know what I mean, John. Yeah, I think I think the whole thing was organised so that we were just kind of a kind of a soft opening, a light, like a light sort of yeah, approach. Yeah, yeah, just to ease them in slowly, you know. But I'd be looking forward to the heart hitting stuff because I don't want it to turn into the Graham Norton show, which is a silly show. And mm. all the jokes are written by scriptwriters, no particularly. Yeah. He is a stand-up comedian, and his humour will be organic. Yes. But I want I, I I want to see the light the, the light side of it, but I also want to see the heavy hitting. Right, but do you think he has the depth to cope with the heavy hitting? Have you had any oh. indication of that? Oh, I think it's there. I think it's do there because so? I mean yeah. the death of his father there. I've heard been interviewed over the years, and I mean, you know, I think he's coming from the north and what happened himself and his own family. I think it's it's within him already. He has the the the, the, the capacity to go there, but time will mm. tell. Yeah, I made the point, uh, well, I made it a couple of times, in fact, that it happened so rarely I was taken aback by James McLean's um, uh, reference to the plight of Catholics in the North. I mean, yep. in fairness to Keelty, y- you rarely heard that approach, that angle on Northern Ireland on RTE, you know, so... Well, well, this is it, like, I mean, for years, I mean, like, there were kind of causes of down here, like, stuff wasn't reported, you had yeah. the ban on Sinn Féin and everything, so no, I wonder what the hell was going on half the time, which was ridiculous anyway. But, yes. um, but no, I'll I, I stick with it for another couple of weeks, and like the other callers have said, just to see how it will unfold, and hopefully we'll get some hard-hitting interviews that we won't just get the softly, softly approach, you know. I want to see Leo Varadkar back on there, I want to see Michal Martin, I want to see other people I want to see the children's minister on there, like I mean, mm. and I want to see him be rated. How a child with scoliosis, like I mean, has to wait for so yeah. long 
Yeah. And this, this, yeah. It's, it's an excruciating pain. Yeah, and, you know, again, I, I mean, I'm anxious to see how it turns out, but I just wonder, somebody with the background of being a stand-up comic, comic and the, will they be able to cope with something like, like, like that, you know? I'd say, I'd say uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think he, he has a dip well, maybe so. I think maybe he has, so. yeah. yeah, I think he has. Yeah. And again, as I said, time will all you tell. And um, yeah. look, I mean, uh, people are still on about the money. Like, I mean, I'm not too pushed about the money he's getting. Like, I mean, you, in fairness, fan, you do 15 hours of radio a week and, and yourself and your team, you do very well. Joe Duffy does five hours and sent me five minutes and gets 351,000. There's a big difference between this pay packet and yours. Uh, you can be absolute certain about that. <laughs> and, of course, what we're all envious of is the huge backroom uh, teams. And we get on great with uh, with uh, Emma and Ali and stuff. But, I mean, some of, the, some of these guys, to do an hour, they'd have six people with them, you know. So well, they would have a whole, they have a whole team behind them, yeah. you know. Well, they that's only that. sour grapes for me now, John. You <laughs> so. Well, you're entitled to have sour grapes. <laughs> John, always a pleasure. Thank you so much Thank for you. your time today. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. You know, that's uh, John speak to us this morning. That's it for me. Emma produced. Ali looked after after our content uh, today. And Stephen is on the way, of course, with the Time Tunnel on the Lunchtime Show. I'll talk to you tomorrow. You look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie